This is Clank Tealosa, and you're listening to Discography Discussion. Don't go anywhere or die. And if your urban warfare is still suffering, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff, and this is Industrial December. We're talking about Clank tonight. Oh yeah, get your loops ready, bitches. Oh my god, not the loops. Anything but the loops. Oh, oh yeah. I thought, I thought he said lube. No. Sorry, my bad. It's probably your inter- internet connection. <laughs> He's Not doing that mine. stuttering and, thing that Clank was talking about. Me and Joe are, uh, <laughs> yeah. Me and Joe are sick, and Jeff didn't want to have anything to do with our germs, so he's staying at home. Wow. Yeah, well, Joe it's and not I just that. I got it. sick people at my house I've had to take care of today. Oh, so we're bathing in it here. Yeah, I've, I know that's the crazy thing. I'm, I've, everybody there is sick. Everybody here at my house is sick. Everybody at work is sick. I've been the only one not sick, so I'm trying to avoid the plague at all costs. Well, see, I think I'm doing a lot better, but I do have a fever. And the only cure for that fever is more Clank. <laughs> so what you're saying is, after we do our discography discussion on Clank, to celebrate Industrial December, we should then cut to an interview that we did with Clank earlier this week. Absolutely. Clank Dialosa of Clank. Yes. He's so metal, he'll go Clank. The one without me. Well, I mean, oh yeah, it had to happen, oh, yeah. Jeff. Yeah, I know. I just couldn't. Well, be you there, know, it was super weird. I was like, yeah, you know, it's going to be me and Joe, and he's like, that's cool, and I was like, yeah, and then Jeff, and he's like, oh no, no, I don't. Fuck that guy. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's exactly how that went down. <laughs> I mean, only probably. God knows, right? Right, probably. I mean, who knows? Uh, so, Clank, guys. So, do you guys know Clank? Is Clank like your? Uh, are they a band that was on your guys' radar before this? Because they've sure as hell been on my radar. Pretty much since I met Dan Terry, Clank has been on my radar. I am the the neophyte here. Clank has not been on my radar. I see. Well, not as a solo artist. Okay. I guess I should say. Well, okay. Are you talking about when he was in Circle of Dust? Yes. Well, he wasn't. I don't believe he was on Circle of Dust recordings. And Clank, oh, okay. I know you're listening to this, so you know. Let me know if I'm wrong about that. He can come okay. back later. He can come back for the Circle of Dust episode and tell us how wrong we are. As far as I know, like yeah, that works. Circle of Dust was almost kind of a Trent Reznor Nine Inch Nails situation where uh, Clayton did all like wrote the songs, and then when he okay. went on tour, he'd call Clank and you know, gotcha, make it happen. Well, before we decide to talk about Clank or Circle of Dust, which is going to be next week on this episode of Discography Discussion, I want to take the time to say thank you to everyone who is listening and thank you for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can say to it, Alexa, play the latest episode of Discography Discussion, and she will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe, and Dan is going to tell you all about five-star reviews. If you like our podcast, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, We love that stuff. Uh, It helps us helps us out when people are searching for discussions about metal. We want to come up in those search results, and in order to do that, 
we need five-star reviews. And instead of being lame and writing our own five-star reviews, we're letting you guys do it because we know you're out there and we appreciate you. And we mentioned it earlier, but it's coming up later. After we do the discussion, we're going to have an interview with Clank that we did earlier this week. Absolutely. And that guy is awesome. That dude was so much fun to talk to. And that kind of will bleed into Circle of Dust next week. Yes, it will. Very topical uh, month. It's like we're staying on point and talking about industrial. Right, right. So I think that's cool. I think we could do that. I think we can make that work. Yeah, I don't know how we made it work, but that's kind of scary that we actually have a thought and we're sticking with it. I know, right? You should listen to an interview. (laughs) So, Dan, tell me all about Clank. So, as we discussed before... Clank used to play guitar in a band called Circle of Dust, which was a industrial metal type of band. And uh, they played a very similar style to Clank, at least back then. But around 95, 96, Clank thought, you know what? I'm going to start a band, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to play industrial metal, and I'm going to express myself through that music. And that's exactly what he did on his 1995 album, Still Suffering which was released on Tooth & Nail Records, no less, which is kind of weird because that's like a punk emo label, right? (laughs) I mean, maybe at that time it was more like a punk. No, it was hardcore. It was totally hardcore. Yeah, they had hardcore. This was before, because this was was Tooth & Nail still. It wasn't Solid State. Oh, that's right. So I thought this was really cool because, I mean, how many other industrial bands were on Tooth & Nail? I can think of one, and it's Clank. Yeah, and so, and uh, interesting story about that. Uh, Clank actually, according to rumor, and he confirmed it on his uh, podcast appearance on As the Story Grows, that he signed his original contract with Tooth and Nail in his own blood. I mean, that's what I would have done. It's pretty damn metal. If I had had the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think all of us would have <laughs> done that if we had the opportunity to sign with Tooth, tooth and Nail. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty... S- simple thought process there you hear that brandon evil signed discography discussion as a podcast how much blood do you need And we will sign it in our own blood (laughs) what if we sign it in other people's blood wait does that mean josh has to sign too no josh has to sign in jeff's blood okay well that's fine we just have jeff do that he probably already has vials of it whenever he kidnapped me and knocked me out yeah there's that so so it's probably no big deal to him oh josh he's a character so anyway (laughs) Still Suffering is an industrial metal record from 1995. And it was 96. 95, 95, 96. It's hard to remember. I have the cassette in my car, and it's all the way upstairs, and it's super cold outside, so I'm not going there. But the cool thing about this record is that, you know, yeah, it does sound dated. It sounds like it's 20 years old, but my God, is it heavy for an industrial metal record. I mean, you, you had you had shit like Rob Zombie, Nine Inch Nails and stuff. Um, I think the only thing that even comes close to this is like something like Fear Factory. I would equate this for the mainstream metal fan a little bit closer to Rammstein. But yeah, this is all like Fear Factory overtones. Yeah. Metal, heavy, screaming, singing. It just sounds like it was thrown into a machine and spit out in different pieces. Yeah, that's right, the clank machine. I want to go watch the Mangler now. Uh, I thought this was this was almost more metal than industrial. Um, you know, in the in the in the sensibility of the songwriting. I mean, look at songs like Animosity and Downside and Fall. Like those are fucking heavy songs. And it's not like 
I mean, I think it's done flawlessly. Like, you definitely know you have a songwriter that's used to playing predominantly metal. That's it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I thought like like Skinny Puppy whenever I the first time I heard his stuff. I was like, as far as like at that time frame, what would be the closest to it? I mean, I I really I grew up a lot on like God Lives Underwater. Like that was like in the the mid '90s. That was like my band that wasn't uh, that horrible sunny day real estate that you guys love to give me shit about uh do you have any more of that whiskey joe (laughs) (laughs) i mean i know you guys can't stand sdre but hey that's that's okay uh i really i really dug uh clank it really scratched that itch i'm i'm a i'm a big uh fan of the uh, that you know mid 90s industrial sound that's not completely you know mainstreamed out like nine inch nails it's not saying i dislike nine inch nails but the groove that he's got is is you know it took me back you know i felt like i was back in high school it i I really really enjoyed this album i i thought it was really good you know cover to cover i mean there's a couple of standout tracks i think uh i think for me i liked uh like time was was really really good yeah time was a good opener yeah i mean it's a good way to to get started out and i liked fall too so yeah give me that animosity animosity all day kicks your every ass, day dude that is a heavy yeah. song and what I liked about this too is, you know, it's, so it's on Tooth and Nail. It's on the Christian label. It gets labeled as that. And um, I don't, I don't consider this to be a Christian album in the sense that it's like a altar call kind of thing. You know, I know there was probably some spirituality involved with it, but um, this is just hardcore stuff. The stuff that he talks about, um, he talks about depression and suicide and abuse, and you know, and it's really intense to me. And it's very sincere sounding, but I don't think it's all gloom and doom. Like a lot of people focus on those topics and they're like, yeah, man, that's what I'm feeling right now. But I, I kind of get this air of like perseverance over, over these problems. And so I, I kind of listen to still suffering as kind of a, uh, kind of a positive. And I mean, even if you look at the, if you look at the album title, still suffering, there's almost a positive in that. And yeah. I'm suffering, but I'm still here. Still here. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm still doing it. So what you're saying is Clank was the guy on the Christian label or near the Christian bands who wrote the album that we all wanted to write in the first place. The it's okay. We're still here, but those problems are real. Yes. It's okay that they're real. Absolutely. So that's yeah, right. This is a great record, man. And, you know, like for me, the nostalgia alone carries it. Because I've been listening to it for such a long time at this point that, like, it's like second nature. It's a classic album to me. Yeah, I'll actually take it a step further. Uh, I think it's uh, the his best album. At least it's my favorite. And it's probably because of, like, what you said. It's the whole nostalgia thing. It brings me back to, you know, when I was really heavy into industrial in the mid-90s. So, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a perfect album. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about lockers. I'm thinking about getting you know swirlies in the bathroom. You know that never <laughs> like, happened, dude. Never happened. Never <laughs> happened. Yeah, I'm. People will just throw shit lucky. at you. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I didn't. I didn't go through uh, outside of people thinking I was gay. I never really had, you know, 
really any grief that I got in high school. Well, that was the whole thing in the 90s, Jeff. Everybody was supposedly gay. Because that's all I ever heard. Fag, Literally everybody. Fag, fag. <laughs> that's all I ever heard. I feel like this would be more uh, appropriate on the corn discussion. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> back on track. So, yeah, I mean, like, this record was awesome, and it really set a high bar for me for, like, what it was going to be. But then, like, I didn't hear anything from Clank for a while. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit. And he came back, I think, in 99 with Numb. Oh, it was like 99, sweet 2000. Numb. 2000. Yeah. yeah. So before he's still suffering, so he's still going, but now he's numb. So let's dig into that a little bit. <laughs> Sounds like somebody's had a few injections in key What's places. Botox? <laughs> I mean, either that or going to the dentist, depending on how you look at it. Novocaine? Novocaine! Nova Scotia? That's going to be your new nickname, Nova. No, actually, Novocaine, that was one of my nicknames from high school. So, <laughs> so we're getting back into it here, Jeff. Nice! Yeah. Yeah, so I made a um, a big boo-boo. What did you do? You messed up, Jeff. Yes, I messed up. I hardly listened to Numb. I listened to Numb Reborn. Why which, would you do that? Uh, because I just thought it was a re-release because there's a 10-year gap between the two releases. I thought it was just a re-release with some... Uh, uh, like remixes added on the end and it's essentially the same album re-recorded it's a do-over yeah it's a do-over hey if motorhead can do it why can't clank (laughs) clank can do whatever he wants as far as i'm concerned have you seen that beard that beard right that's like that's epic beard absolutely like i want to know how many years does it take to get that well if you'd have been here on tuesday you could ask that question yeah i could have i'm sorry man it's all right. I'm just giving you trouble. So, Numb. <laughs> so, I listen to the album Numb. So, like, Jeff typically will listen to bands on streaming services, which I will, too, to fill in the gaps. However, I just had the CD of Numb. So, that's all I listened to. I figured, oh, okay, cool. So, I had no idea until today that me and Jeff were basically listening to, I mean, the same album, but different two different versions of the same song and we're gonna run into that we're gonna run into that next week with circle of dust too Uh oh so i'll uh i'll I'll get something going in the group text message about that (laughs) yes just to give us all a a heads up (laughs) let's just say that there's two of the first circle of dust albums yeah because numb my favorite song on numb i i like it way more on reborn than i do on the original one and that's blind blind yeah yeah, so it's definitely, uh, it's just an updated, more modern version of those songs. I mean, it's not like there's anything wrong with what was prior. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, because that's what you listened to as you grew up was the original one. I'm assuming, did you, you, it's 2000. I'm hoping you had it on CD and not cassette, right? I had it on CD. I don't think it was available on cassette. Okay, I'm just But if it was, check- no. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, dude, it was one of those things where if I ever had the option to buy the cassette or the CD, and the CD was or the cassette was two dollars cheaper, yeah, give me that cassette all day long, you know. God, I was the elitist douchebag that always bought the CD. Well, I'm the elitist douchebag now, so 
No, you're not. You're the trendsetter that all the elitist douchebags wish they could be because you never sold your tapes. Let's be honest. Dan had a cassette player (laughs) in his car, and his logic was, this is the least amount of conversion I could do to listen to it in my car. Maybe. That might have been what it was. I think I just liked having little rectangular objects near me. Do I need to tell the story about the laptop in the passenger seat again? No, you don't. So, numb. Nope, that's been told before. Let's get back to numb <laughs> on, here. On here. Okay. So, obviously, you know, I've been listening to numb probably more than anybody else in this room. And anybody that's on Skype. So, except maybe Clank, because he wrote it and he is on Skype. <laughs> we'll get Damn. to that later. Walked myself into a corner on that one. However, I didn't like Numb as much as I liked Still Suffering, and I think that may have been the general consensus with fans. Numb is a great album, and it's definitely one that grew on me. But it wasn't the almost death metal that was Still Suffering. And me being a metal fan, predominantly, it was a little bit more hard for me to go on board because it's like I liked the industrial as like a dressing on the metal steak. Whereas now it's like there's all dressing and a little chunks of steak thrown in there. (laughs) So it's a takeout salad is what you're telling me. It's like a Cobb salad. And Cobb salads are really good for you, I think. Not in large quantities. Okay, well, they're, I, the ones I always get are like humongous. It's like I know, right? Cobb salad. But, Seriously. Uh, no, no, it just means that uh, it clears out your colon. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that good for you? Don't, isn't that like like what all those... Can we, can we have one be, podcast without <laughs> shit jokes? <laughs> Numb, the only, the only issue I had with Numb is that it wasn't obviously as, as heavy as Still Suffering. There wasn't as much screaming. And I mean, in 2000, you know, 17 years ago, that's the kind of thing that mattered to me. And, uh, you know, as an adult, I can appreciate it because, dude, the lyrical themes are, are more on point than they were on Still Suffering. Like, more mature. You know, and the songwriting was better overall. It is, in a lot of ways, a technically superior record to Still Suffering, but the nostalgia alone of Still Suffering still puts it ahead of Numb, in my opinion. And I haven't heard Numb Reborn, so, you know. You're listening to it right now. It sounds great. Yeah, it is good. It's still... It's still not as good as Still Suffering, but it's it's very good. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out uh, pretty much as soon as we're done. So, <laughs> I don't I don't think you'll be disappointed. I I, I think uh, he did an excellent job. Yeah, I'm not disappointed the, at all. From what I'm hearing, well, what happened between '99 and 2012? All kinds of shit. It is time for urban warfare, and it seems like there was a large gap. Yeah, you know, I kind of just assumed that there was no more clank. <laughs> <laughs> so when Urban Warfare dropped, I was completely caught by surprise. I mean, you got to think, 2012, so this is like... So I'm listening to Numb in my parents' house. This is... So, like, the difference between Numb and Urban Warfare for me was like... Shit, I mean, like, I was... You're now married? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm like... Is she pregnant from yet? being at home, she's not pregnant yet. No, that's two years later. But, uh, so it's between Urban Warfare. We'll get to that, between Urban Warfare and Rise. Uh, but, uh, no, like, I mean, I, I had moved out of my parents' house. I'd been in two, I'd been in two bands at that point. Uh, I had done a, a Christian metal magazine for a year. I had done, you know, I'd gotten job. I had just, I'd worked at the game store for three, almost three years at that point. 
Oh shit. Yeah, dude. Like this came out. I I listened to Urban Warfare at the game store. <laughs> think about that. Dude, that's messed up. I don't think it was. I got inventory done like real in like, quick real in like 30 seconds. Dude, I was like scan 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 because here's the thing about Urban Warfare. We're back to heavy here, people. Urban Warfare was a very good return to form, but it's one of those weird things because, like, Still Suffering is essentially like what was the heaviest industrial you could, heaviest industrial metal you could be in 1995. And this is the same thing again, only updated for 2012, which I really liked. Um, the songwriting I thought was really on point here. Um, this record's got it all, man. Like, there's a there's electronics, there's danceability to it, but then there's also like bone crushing riffs and like death metal growls and like it's it's the real deal, man. Like it's it's literally when I heard this, it was literally everything I wanted from a clank record. You know, it was like it was like, yeah, man, here you go. You like still suffering? Well, here you go. You got something that's not the same record. It's years later, but it is very much in the same spirit. Right. Yeah, for me, it was like, there's a band that I really like called Seth ETC. And I, I know I've shown it to you, Dan. And, and this yeah. is, they're like, this album is like a slowed down version of that, especially the slowed eponymous down? track. Really? Yes. Yeah, Seth ETC is like okay. in total fast forward. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, but especially like Urban Warfare, like the first time I heard Urban Warfare, I was like, oh, it's like if somebody like took the guys off from Seth ETC, took them off the speed and had them make a conscious thought to them after you'd rehab. Get, yeah. Yeah. You'd get, you totally would get, especially the, the track urban warfare. That was like the first thing that came to mind whenever I was listening to this. Gotcha. So I have to admit, this is probably, uh, my least favorite out of, uh, everything that i that i that i listen to that doesn't mean that i dislike it man now i know why jason wisdom called you a douche <laughs> oh man oh, damn <laughs> it could have been a cough but it definitely sounded like he called you a douche yeah i i'm shocked because normally if i get douches because people don't like my poop jokes which right i understand but everything else i, I try to be like I love everybody. I want to make everybody happy. Man, I don't know. Did you listen to songs like Sick is the New Sane, Stomp You Out, Blow It All Away, Built to Survive? Yeah. Like, I dude, mean, I seriously, didn't... 7 to 10 is like one after another. I mean, beat you over the head. He must have spent some time with this one. This was a good fucking He record. had to have put some effort into this as far as the songwriting goes. Cause... I mean, he had a essentially a 10-year gap or 12-year gap but yeah i mean it's not like it's i'm not saying it's bad i hate every i don't want to give that impression that it's bad i'm just saying that the i like this other stuff even more sure. i guess that's probably the better way to okay, put it fair enough i like it but yeah stomp you out is that's <laughs> pretty fucking insane man so this one is my favorite what stomp you out? No, uh, Urban Warfare. Oh, this album. Okay. This is my favorite Clank album. Why okay. is that? No wonder you're giving me so much shit. It's so heavy, dude. And like, I'm a meathead like that sometimes. It's just, <laughs> it's what I needed. And again, you know, like I told Clank in the interview, you know, I was like, man, when I first heard Still Suffering, I was there for the for the angst. 
You know what I mean? I was there for the rage. And, uh, and you know, I got that, you know, package delivered. Uh, and I guess, I, I guess it's a testament that people don't really change that much. Because in 2012, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm here for the rage again. <laughs> and again, again, package delivered. You know what I mean? Like, a, I, it was one of those, like, damn, dude, this was, like, completely out of the park. I thought, like, honestly, like, because typically bands like this, you know, that play industrial metal, always drop the metal. Eventually. Like, when we're talking about Circle of Dust next week, when we listen to the last couple of Circle of Dust albums versus the first couple, huge difference. Uh, with Clank, it's not like that. He's like, no, dude, I kicked your ass back then. I'm going to kick your ass now. So you're saying you're going to stomp out loud? I'm going to stomp. I'm going to stomp it out, man. I am. <laughs> I'm not going to blow it all away because that's the coward's way out. But, you know, no, that's a save me. Yeah, sorry. Save me's Damn. good. Saint, uh, uh, sick is the new sane is awesome. And again, you know, this is angry. This is pissed off. But this is still very like you can get through this. You I know. got through it. This you is a battle that you're fighting. This isn't, you know, you're not just dead in the ground somewhere. This is, again, like you're going to get through this. Even if I have to beat you over the head until you get through this. Jeff didn't read any of the lyrics, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. We we know who I am at this point in time. Well, can I make a statement, too, that Clank for a, for a aggressive vocalist is very easy to understand? Oh, that that is very true. That's very old school thrash. It is, and it's cool because, you know, and Clank, Clank's kind of interesting to me in that he has a v- very large variety of vocal styles. I thought you were going to say large beard. He does have a large beard, yes. Uh, but he has a very large variety of vocal styles, you know, from your thrash metal shouts, punk, you know, punk rock, yelling, you know. So maybe, um, maybe it, he has some some extra voice boxes hidden underneath he's that he's gotta beard. have some extra voice boxes because he can sound <laughs> he can sound completely different you know from one track to another and i think that's yeah. cool because there's seeing there's there's singing in there there's gruff like shout bark like you had in downside but then like dude on on urban warfare he goes into full-on like death gr- you know guttural death growls yeah that and that's my favorite track on on that album sick is the new sane he does it on that. Yeah. A couple other times, too, on the record. And they actually do yeah. return on Rise, uh, which I think we're going to get into here pretty soon. Oh, I'm so happy you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually uh, going into... <laughs> 2017. Yeah. Rise by Clank. Oh, my God. This is going to be my album of the week. Is okay. it really? 2017, nice. man. It. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what changed. I know that technology got a little different and attitudes got a little different and shit happens. And then we get Rise. This is the closest thing that I've heard to the first release. In it would be redundant to say in a long time because it's been about 20 years. 20, yeah. 22 years. Just about. I Dude, feel like 96 me. again. I feel like this is, you wanted Still Suffering? Well, I can't give you that again, but what I can give you is Rise. Well, I think that Rise is the most positive Clank album. It's yeah, so agreed. heavy, though. It's very heavy. I don't think it's as heavy as Urban Warfare, but it is certainly it is certainly there. It's certainly in the pocket. 
Um, what I like about this is you can tell this guy's been writing songs, you know. I don't know how long he was writing songs before Still Suffering, but this is like 22 years later, dude, and it shows. The songwriting is so much more on point than it was before because one of the things about Clank Records is that I think he was always trying to introduce so many different elements per song that you ended up with albums like Numb where they kind of seemed a little all over the place. Numb was the least metal, most industrial. I, I could see that. Might be the reason why I liked it so much. <laughs> it's not that I don't, you know, it's just because I'm in the mood for industrial since we said it's industrial December. So I, I've really gone down the rabbit hole this month. It's been crazy. Jeff's that guy that, you know, is on a metal podcast that doesn't listen to metal. <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> Come on, man. So are you going to tell me that, uh, out of all the bands that we listened to this month, that Cybreed is not the most metal. And that was my contribution. Depends on what you mean by metal. I think Still Suffering is pretty damn metal. Oh, yeah, I agree, too. And you haven't, we haven't even talked about Brainchild by Circle of Dust yet, so... We'll be getting to that next week. You just wait. Okay. I love you, Jeff. I'm just giving you trouble. But I know. I gotta play along and, and, <laughs> and explain myself. He's gotta just take it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rise is great, uh, and I really like the song "The Beast Within." We talked about about that song a lot on uh, on the interview. There's a really good video for "The Beast Within," and uh, it's kind of an anti-suicide song. Um, and that's nothing new to Clank. Uh, he has a suicide song on every album, so uh, this is you know, if it wasn't there, I'd be I'd be disappointed, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I really, I loved this song. I thought it had a really catchy hook to it. And to me, it's the standout track on the album. I give you The Beast Within. Maybe Rise. Manipulation. Manipulation. Oh, yeah, Manipulation is so good. Um, yeah, Rise is, is there for me. That's yeah, probably Rise my favorite. Is good. Yeah. I actually like Devolve, too. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Devolve is awesome. I mean, really, there's not a lot of bad songs on the. We've mentioned no. almost every song on the album now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've. I think we've kind of made it an established fact that we kind of feel that way about everything that he's put out. Yeah. Even if it's even if it's not, you know, we might have you know certain albums that we like more than another. I'm just but being really, nitpicky. We, we like everything that he's put out. Absolutely. I'm just being nitpicky so that it doesn't sound like I'm not being objective, you know? Like, it's... it's I'd rather you be honest than objective. <laughs> well, if you're no, a fanboy, then just go I'm with it, I'm not making man. up criticisms. I'm just talking about, like... I know. That's why you're giving me shit instead. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Rise is... I mean, so we didn't... It wasn't as long of a wait, obviously, between Numb and Urban Warfare as it was between Urban Warfare and Rise. But, you know, that was three kids ago. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of rough, right? But... Uh, it might have come out before my third kid was born, but, you know, he was still a thing. Uh, so, but yeah, like this is, uh, I think this is more mature. Like I said, I was always there for the angst before. And this record just seems a little bit more introspective, a little bit more refined lyrically. And so it, it, it still affects me on the same level as an adult as it did whenever I was a teenager or, you know, in my 20s. So it brings you back to that bad place to remind you about your good place. Is Absolutely. that what you're saying? All about my good place. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we talk a lot about, about Rise in the interview, and uh, so I don't want to take away from that too much. But uh, 
I would say my final thought on Clank is that if you are into industrial music or you're just into metal and you want to hear something that's a little bit different than what you're used to, definitely give Clank a try. Jeff, what about you? Um, I'm glad that uh, we did this episode. I'm glad that... um and just because we're on the podcast doesn't mean that every single person that's, you know, the, between the three of us has listened to whatever the band is prior. So I've enjoyed this introduction to Clank. I mean, I know just like I'm hoping you guys enjoyed my introduction to you guys uh, with Cybreed. Absolutely. That was, 100%. You know, Clank actually mentioned Cybreed on the uh, interview. Oh, did he, he really? Said he had just only heard them a, a few weeks ago, but. I wonder why that is. Yeah. I don't know. Like, could, Who knows, <laughs> Jeffrey? Be, could be purely coincidence, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I hope he he enjoys them as much as I as I am enjoying his music. Cool. I say so. that Clank is industrial. It is heavy, and I love it. Uh, the music is. It has the tone that all the '90s kids are craving for in the mid to late 2000s of pop garbage. It will bring you back to that place where we all used to listen to Nine Inch Nails and Bush. Yeah. Feels good to be a 90s kid. Dan, I think it's about time we need to get it over to our interview with Clank. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's cut over to that interview. It was a lot of fun, and uh, hope you don't have anything to do for the next hour and a half. What about our uh, tracks of the week? We're going to get to our our albums albums of the week. week. Yeah. Change the tunnel and I'll break your fingers. Oh, oh there he is. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Man. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Hello there. Hello. <laughs> I love face to face. It's funny when people are, you know, sometimes people have bad internet connections. So we always end up having to go audio only. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, because people's faces freeze. They're like, in the yeah. middle of a word, you know? <laughs> I know. I'm having flashbacks to Scott Mellinger, Dan. Right. <laughs> well, Clank, I'm Dan. I'm the guy that's been uh, relentlessly messaging you all week. Well, howdy. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. And I'm Joe down in front. Uh, there's, there's Ellie, my dog. Aw. Look at your family. <laughs> Look at your family. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Does not care. We're all furry. <laughs> right? Oh, man. So, uh, how's Texas? Texas is pretty cool, dude. I'm digging it. It's uh, definitely a change up because I was born and raised in... Um, I was born in New York City and raised in Long Island and then I uh, moved out to California like 10 years ago. I like it out there, but it, it's just way too expensive, man. I, you, the cost of living is just so grossly overinflated it's not funny you know so yeah i don't think i could afford a studio apartment there i mean it's no, but dude my wife and i were renting um a one bedroom cottage at the top of a mountain in santa cruz i mean it was santa cruz county it was really cool it was gorgeous but uh right now in texas i'm renting a three-bedroom house with two baths for the same price that i was renting a, a tiny one-bedroom studio with a tiny bathroom um, I mean, you know, it was decent. It was like living in a postcard because right. of the area. Our property had like 100-foot redwood trees around it. But, like, if I stuck my elbows up like this and turned, I would put them through the wall in the shower. <laughs> so. <laughs> and then that would, cost, that would cost three months' worth of pay to fix. Yeah. Dude, seriously. And, you know, gas was like a dollar eight. Um, sorry, like... Uh, Three three sixty nine three eighty nine a gallon. Oh my goodness! I got out here and like I paid two dollars and nine cents a gallon. 
you know. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, I'm saving money on that. And, like, even just, like, general uh, utilities. My utility bill was 180 to $200 a month there. I pay $43 a month here. It's, oh, like, crazy. so awesome. Give yourself a raise yeah. just by moving. We live just Let's south of St. Louis. And seriously. it's the same thing. It's the cost of living south of St. Louis is, is pretty cheap. I mean, gas, about $2 and a quarter for, for a gallon. And uh, I was living wow. in a two-bedroom apartment, and I was paying, like, it was like eight hundred and fifty dollars a month, something like that. For oh. that, and then I moved into. A, I just moved. I just went south by like twenty miles, bought a house, and my mortgage payment is one hundred and fifty dollars less than <laughs> the apartment. That's awesome. I know. That's cool. I always liked uh, St. Louis. Uh, we that place Cicero's. We used to play at when we come through town. Oh man, you know Aww. what's terrible too? I've been working. Uh, I've been working over there in University City for the past week or so, and uh, it's actually uh, they just closed Cicero's down forever. Yep. Oh, boo! Yeah, it used to be the place for local <laughs> bands to play, man. It was awesome. Oh. They also had really good pizza, too. Yeah, dude, I remember, like, we got to play. The last time we played there, dude, it was this crazy snowstorm. There was only, like, a handful of people. There was, like, eight inches of snow. Um, the place was really cool. We chowed down on some pizza, you know, um, played our show, and there was, like, a handful of people that were there, but they were, like, diehard fans. So it was really cool to, like, the people that really appreciated it. Were there, and I was like, "Man, I'm surprised you guys braved the storm, you know, because they were telling people stay inside." <laughs> right. Yeah, we we have those every now and again. It's weird too in St. Louis because it'll be like 75 degrees until the day it snows, and then it's four feet. You know? Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, out of nowhere. It's a regional magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the reason we invited you onto the show tonight is we are doing. Uh, typically, we're more of a metal show. We talk about. Uh, we talk about metal, um, hardcore, all that, all that stuff. But we decided in December that we were going to do something a little bit different because I realized in the year that we've been doing this podcast, we've never, with the exception of maybe death therapy, we haven't really talked or touched on any of the electronic stuff, like at all. Death yeah. therapy. I just saw them Saturday in Oklahoma. We just talked to Jason about three weeks ago. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We he sat down and had a big long conversation with us about living sacrifice. So we. Uh, we were stoked about that. Yeah, dude, it was it was Jet Therapy and Soul and Soul Embraced and this band called Thirteen Minutes. It was um, it was called the Not So Silent Night. They raise uh, toys for kids that have been removed from abusive households during the year, and they hook them up like and you know and they basically it's like a toy drive. So uh, you know it was cool. Went out to dinner with those guys. I've known like Lance. I've known Lance since my Circle of Dust days. We used to tour together all the time. So. That was like you know, 25 years I've known Lance. <laughs> it was and a minute ago, Rocky. yeah. Yeah, I've known Rocky like, you know, probably like 18 years, if not longer. But it was really cool to spend some time with Jason because I've been pestering him saying, what's it going to take to get you and I in the studio to make some noise, dude, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's a busy guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he does it. Like, I mean, I remember, I remember when his old band became the archetype when he left that band. If he just went like full time into teaching and, and stuff and you know a family and, and a house it's like it's like but now I see him out with death therapy all the time and I'm like dude where do you find time like it's hard enough for me to find time to go do the podcast and yeah. that's that's local you know <laughs> well, he said his wife said as, as long as he's making money it's cool she's like whatever you do as long as you're making money it's cool but we need to be able to eat you know right so. fair enough <laughs> sounds familiar yeah, a little they bit. gotta put the food on the table you know <laughs> I know that feeling. That's pretty much why I don't play music anymore. So I, yeah, That's why my shows are sporadic, and we have to plan them out far in advance. Right, right. <laughs> Build up the hype. 
Yeah, seriously, because no one wants to leave their couch anymore. They no. wants to watch. They want to watch a really bad Facebook Live video that's blown out, or some YouTube video where the sound is like crazy. You know. Oh, I think I can hear my favorite track. Yeah, it's like, come on. <laughs> well, I don't want to sound yeah. like that guy from that band I don't really like, but yeah, I do wish everybody would put their cell phone away yeah. at the shows yeah. that I do go to. Yeah, yeah. It's usually, the, it, it used to be lighters back in the day. Now you see the glow from the, the everybody's screen, and it's not a good thing. Right, but it's not even during a slow song. You know, it's like yeah, come totally, on. totally. It's like, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. I just thought I so recently you were on uh, you were on as the story grows recently with Travis, and um, I listened Nothing to that. Guy. I listened to that episode, and I was like. I was like, man, we really need to talk about. We need at first it started off with we just really need to talk about Clank on the show, you know, like we need to do a beginning to end uh, kind of because that's what we do for the most part. Our format is usually we typically the three of us will sit down and we'll start at the beginning of a band's career and go all and discuss every album from beginning to end, and uh, and that's uh, it. Eventually, after a while, we kind of got like first we had Travis on the show because we're a big fan of his, and uh, yeah, you know, and then uh, we started having more people on, and so it's kind of turned into one of those like most of the time we still do our discussions, but we've really got this taste in our mouth for talking to people, and we're like, you know, maybe people don't just want to hear our opinions about things, so <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so that's whenever we started. I kind of just started reaching out to people that. Uh, people that i had been listening to for years well that's cool yeah so it's really exciting actually <laughs> i was driving i was like I'm, I'm i'm heading out honey i gotta go talk to clank tonight you know so <laughs> that was uh it was pretty cool call me if you're gonna be late yeah <laughs> I'm probably gonna... money. <laughs> right so um but yeah so what we're doing in december is we're calling it industrial december and so all all of december we are doing only industrial bands awesome yeah yeah, so we're uh, we're actually gonna do uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna do a full on clank discography discussion this month. I don't know when it's gonna be done, um, but awesome! Uh, Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Thank you. Hopefully, you'll feel that way when we're done, right? <laughs> <laughs> when we're done butchering it, and right. cutting it up. <laughs> yeah, this was great, but this sucked. Yeah, no, but um, we're not that we're not that meatheadish about it. <laughs> but uh, what, whatever, dude. You and Pantera have a discussion. Me and Pantera had issues. Yeah, but besides that, um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do Clank this month. We're gonna do uh, Circle of Dust, and. Uh, we already did. What we do last week, Joe? Cybreed? Cybreed was last week, and then Christmas just happens to fall on a Monday, which is usually our release schedule, so we're going to be doing Project 86. Yeah, well, we're doing a Christmas special on Project just 86. Just because I want to talk about the Christmas records on Christmas. I just heard Cybreed this year for the first time, and actually when I was on my way home with uh, my friend, who's also my boss, uh... He was just playing the new Project 86. Yeah, I just got it uh, yesterday. It just came out. Yeah. Yeah, from what I heard, it was pretty cool. It sounded sonically nice and big. Yeah, you know? it did. It was. Uh, they yeah, they went to some really expensive studio in Nashville. <laughs> I should know. I helped pay for it. We did the cr- yeah. we did the crowdfunding thing. <laughs> well, yeah. when you have a hundred grand to blow on an album, that must be nice. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think just knowing that, you know, I think crowdfunding is really cool because it's one of those like that's how you kind of gauge if anybody still cares or not, you know, Yeah. <laughs> instead yeah. of spending all your time and energy and money into making this thing, you know, it's like really nice to have guaranteed sales before you've even began. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. True. So, um, with it being industrial December, uh, I was the guy, 
I guess back in the day that had uh, I had still suffering on cassette. And I meant to bring the cassette tonight, but I drove my I drove my car and I didn't drive my wife's car. My wife's car still has a cassette player in it, so I was gonna listen to <laughs> I was gonna listen to Still Suffering all the way down <laughs> on cassette. Retro. Yeah, yeah. I've got it on. I've got it on. Uh, I've got it on tape, tape and uh, vinyl. Not vinyl. Uh, tape and CD. I'm holding out for a vinyl. Um, at well, some point. well, maybe next year. Wink, hint, wink, hint. wink. Yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> it can, put it this way: it costs a lot of money to get tooth and nail to approve anything these days. I have heard that. But <laughs> I've gotten approval for it. The only thing is, I need like a check that has like a number, a zero, a comma, and then three more zeros in order to make it happen. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, it is. Especially when you're broke, you know. <laughs> Crowdfund it. <laughs> Crowdfund the still suffering vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's that much uh, demand for it. I'd be like, yeah, we need like ten grand, and I would get like ten bucks. <laughs> right. Well, that's all right. That, you know, you can. It, it would probably be a lot cheaper to do a rise. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we actually been looking into doing a limited um, vinyl release of that. Okay. Uh, we did this this past year. We checked into a bunch of different things we wanted to try. Um, we have. We have a wish list of what we want to do, and it's sadly it all comes down to money, you know. So, but the Rise album has been selling pretty decently, so we were trying to put a little bit of money aside and try to maybe do like a 300 pressing or something of something like that. But it's weird though, because like album sales aren't what they used to be. Not at all. But now there's like a crazy like influx in uh, vinyl, you know. Like some people really been vibing on vinyl, which is great. But the thing is, it has to be cost effective where I'm one of those guys like, yeah, I'm a musician, but I'm also a consumer and I don't want to be charging somebody 25 bucks for uh, vinyl. You know, I'm like, I have a soul, you know, right, I don't yeah. like rip people off. You, you have know? a soul that you haven't muted yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, you know, signed over to anybody in flames. So I'm just trying to, uh, you know, uh, so we, we want to do the best we can with it and we're, we're holding out that sometime after the new year, maybe with some of these other releases that we have coming up, we can use that to kind of fund, uh, you know, uh, fund that machine. You know, basically, what was that saying? Rob Peter to pay Paul? Very, you know? yes, yes. Maybe it was the other <laughs> way around. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the jury's we, out on that we're, one. We're, we're, we'll basically rob one of our other projects in order to try to fund this. So. Well, it's funny to me because that's the thing that we all said was eventually going to happen. Digital music took off and everybody said, it's cheaper to buy the songs. Why would I buy the CD? Until it became not cheaper, and there are no yeah. CDs, there are no records, and then now everybody's like, you know what? I really wish I had physical media. And then Dan yeah. pops up and says, I never stopped saying I <laughs> yeah, want physical if, media. You know, if Armageddon <laughs> happens tomorrow, we're living in you know Fallout, you know, yeah. and uh, you know it's just me in my house with a bunch of spam. I want to still listen to, I still want to listen to <laughs> Still Suffering and Numb and all that. You know what I mean? Like I want, yeah, I still want to be able to listen to my stuff. You, know? you won't be able to stream it if wherever the server is is blown up exactly. or melted, you know? We'll have to exactly. get you an old Victrola so you can just sit there listening to your Clank <laughs> albums. Well, yeah, he when the power Victrola, goes on, I should still be go. able to hand crank the vinyl, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that should work out pretty well. But um, we're not, uh, we're not like super professional reviewers or anything. We, we really, we're heavily inspired by... Uh, as the story grows in the sense that we just like to have a conversation so i don't have cool. a piece of paper and a list of stuff that i'm gonna ask that's cool i like stuff that's off the cuff anyway i like the, you know it's not typical um what's the word i'm looking for like cookie cutter type you know like 
what's your favorite band? What's this? I mean, those kind of interviews are cool, but after like 25 years, it's like, ah, oh, come on. You can almost come have a soundboard of yourself and just hit the button and let right. it play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like just triggering samples that with answers, you know, cut and paste answers from which would sound like answers from 25 years ago. <laughs> right, and we live in it. We live That's in your age. next record, sir. 25 years of answers. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. That's a freebie. Still answering. <laughs> Still answering. That's cool. <laughs> Be like a straight-up remix. But, uh, yeah, so, like, one of the things that I wanted to touch on, because we, we're trying to do this, do this with every genre of music, we're kind of trying to do, like, a what, what about episode, because there's way too many genres of music. There's too many cores. There's too many variants of metal. There's too many variants of, and so I, one of the things that we strive to do is do almost kind of like a, like an overview of a specific style. So we, uh, we chose you for the industrial one because, in my opinion, you'd be the guy to ask. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what was it? I guess. Um, and then again, I know you did Travis's one, so I'm not going to retread too much of that ground. It's that podcast exists. Anybody can go listen to it right now. You know. Um, you were talking about how, uh, what was it, where the mosh pit meets the dance floor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's how we describe it. Because people would say, well, how can you describe Clank's music? And we've been labeled industrial. We've been labeled electro metal. You know, we've been cold. We've been told we're like electronically infused groove metal. Damn. I mean, you know, like you were saying, like, <laughs> Labels, sub-labels, sub-labels, sub-genre, blah, blah, blah. It's all metal, but it's like there's different... I understand there's different things. Like, Ministry is, like, industrial metal. But, like, Pantera's metal, um, you know, it's... Some people, like, they just feel the need to break it down into these little boxes. And I just, I like to say, you know what? We're, we're a metal band, and we have a lot of window dressing... Uh, when it comes to like um, samples, loops, um, old school analog synths, I mean, to us, it's like another member of the band, you know. So, I mean, electro metal is like, I think, kind of the best way, you know, industrial electronic metal. Those are usually like the three that they, the little nice little box they wrap and put us in, you know, is, is basically like, you know, electronic industrial metal, which, which works. I mean, because we have. We have the elements of everything. I mean, you know, when people say, oh, industrial is more like Skinny Puppy or Einster Zindy Nürbauten, it's like, yeah, <laughs> but all that's changed over the years because Romstein's considered industrial and, you know, like Static X is considered yeah. industrial. Yeah, you know, I mean, but it's great too because people refer to us as dance metal. I'm like, I'll accept that. You know, I'm a sucker for a great melody. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, good beat, you know. Totally, not, totally. Not necessarily a million miles per minute. Of course, there is uh, there is that too. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you can, you can have, you can have, and that's why, like, for us, we like to cover all the spectrum. Like, some of it's super heavy and aggressive. Sometimes it's very melodic. Sometimes it's very fast. Sometimes it's very mellow or mellow-ish. You know, because we, like, with Clank, I never, never, we never wanted to be confined to one in particular box. I wanted to basically Clank to be whatever... We wanted it to be. It could be super, super, super heavy. It could be mellow. It could be very melodic. I didn't, you know, I, I wanted Clank to basically not have any barriers. Um, and the music that, like, uh, myself, Pat, and Eric create is, we think is a, a great example of that. Because, like, even if you listen to, like, Rise, you know, like, Bring Me Down is super heavy. Um, and the damage is, is 
you know, it's just very heavy and in your face. But songs like Only Human, it's got its heavy edge, but it's got like, you know, eight layers of vocal harmonies and, you know, and like till the end, it's, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a sucker for a good melody. So if, if, whatever the music seems to call for, that's where we go with it. If it's heavy, it's heavy. If it's mellow, if it's a mix of both, so be it. For us, it's, you know, whatever sounds good to us. Because, the, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be aware that you're making music that other people are going to listen to. But you have to love the music that you're creating. And you have to be proud in whatever this project is that you're pouring your heart and soul into. And that's why, like, first and foremost, we are Clank fans. We're fans of ourselves and what we do. And we want to, you know, like I said, we keep into consideration, you know, there's people who are going to hopefully buy this. But at the same point, we need to write and record what makes us happiest. You know, so at the end of the day, we keep our musical integrity intact as far as like, you know, we could just write a whole nother still suffering or just do dancier stuff or just do the heavier stuff and the, you know, death growls. But we like to mix it up. You know, we don't want to be locked into any one box. Yeah. Why do one of those things when you can do all of those things? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a salesman that's just given a piece of crap and they say, go out and sell this. And he's like, really? This is a piece of crap, and I got to go sell 20 of them. But then that same guy, you give him something he loves, he goes out and sells 20, and then 20 more, and then 20 oh. more. So it's almost as important to make something that you love just so you can go tell people how awesome it is. Oh, and it totally is, because at the end of the day, like, I got to believe in what I'm doing. I got to believe in what Pat, Eric, and I write and record, and, and we do. I mean, like, especially with Rise, we're... Like, obviously, you know, it's easy to say, oh, this is the best release we've done so far, because that's what everybody says with every release. But I think sonically, songwriting-wise, I mean, we are really, really, really proud of the way it came out. And uh, it's gotten no bad reviews. It's been really well-received, and um, we're really stoked on it. You know, like, especially myself, because I write all the lyrics and stuff, so we might work on the music and stuff. But when it comes to the lyrics, it's like, man... What do I want to say? You know, and it's like uh, our lyrics have always been very personal and very relatable to people. You know, people. That's the one thing is we've had a great connection over the years with um, young kids, old kids, adults. Just people saying, you know what? Like, there's just something about your lyrics. You know, you have that beat like Rob Zombie does, but you're not singing that gibberish. It's more like you looked inside my head and with a flashlight, you looked around and you saw what I was thinking. But I couldn't say it, but you said it for me and I was feeling it, you know, or kids that are like going through hard times or contemplating suicide or addiction. And they go, man, I don't know what it is about your stuff, dude, but the stuff that you guys write, man, it, it hits me in the heart. And, you know, dude, if I literally had a dollar for every letter um, or message we've received that said still suffering and your music was the soundtrack to my adolescence, I'd never have to work another day in my life, dude. And to us. That is like the ultimate form of um, props, flattery, you know, just to have that many kids to be like that you, at the end of the day for us, it was like, man, we created something that somebody on a large scale got something out of and it hit home with them in their heart. You know, that's, that's hardcore. And for us, it's like, it's, you know, it's great to do that on one release, but to be able to consistently do that and touch people is it's heavy, like mentally, it's heavy. Like you know, for for, for myself, because you know, I'm I'm very vocal on social media, and I'm you know, I'm like I try to keep a strong presence, and 
when you have all these kids that you see suffering and um, just going through crazy stuff, you know, and you be transparent with them and you say, you know what, it's okay to suffer. You know, a lot of bands put up this online persona of, you know, life is just blue skies and green lights and I have <laughs> fancy cars and I got chicks and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I got all the stuff that online. doesn't matter. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Crap. It's crap. You know, at the end of the day, we all struggle. We have bills to pay. You know, like Pat's wife's having her second kid. You know, like we are all struggling and going through life. And we like to write about life, how it, how we see it, how it affects me, how it affects my friends, my bandmates, my family, um, and things we go through. And I kind of document it and put it in a way that, for some reason, people relate to. And for me, that's like, that hits, like, it hits all of us, but that hits me in the heart, like, really hard, man. Like, sometimes... I'll sit there at like, you know, reading like my Facebook messages or posts from people. And it's like, I got tears in my eyes from somebody saying like, you have no clue what this did for me. When someone says I was literally going to kill myself, I had a knife, I had a box of pills or, you know, I had a gun and I was just looking for one reason not to kill myself. And one of your songs happened to come on like randomly on my thing or I came across your album and it just made me weep and it made me think and it made me change my view on that because what you said hit me. It's like, dude, what do you say to that? You know, I mean, right. that's hardcore, you know? Yeah, and no, I definitely feel you, especially that song, The Beast Within. Um, yeah, I'll dude. tell you what, I mean, I uh, I was dealing with a lot of issues, um, I guess a couple of years ago. I mean, it was it was before the, the record had come out or anything, but um, I remember hearing that song uh, when Rise came out and I was like, yeah, man. Because I, I went through all of that. I had to go talk to the counselors. I had to go talk to, you know. Fortunately, I'm a success story and then I got through it. But what yeah. I liked about The Beast Within the most was that it's like, at least for me, my own personal interpretation was just that you are, this is, this is something that is constantly being maintained. It's not something that's just like, oh, yep, I washed my hands of that. Never have to worry about that again. Um, it's a deep-seated issue that you have to kind of constantly keep in check. And so yeah. um, and so that song really, uh, really hit me hard whenever I heard it because I was like, man. Because this was – Rise was the first album that I listened to by Clank that I was like – it kind of gave me that same feeling that I had with Still Suffering. Because when Still Suffering came out, you know, I was still a teenager, so like – all the angst and frustration, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, like, you had that teenage angst in there. Absolutely, yeah. and so that record obviously was perfect for, uh, for for that type of anger. So it's really cool, you know, in my adult life. You know, I'm married, I have three kids, you know, but it's like I listen to this and I'm like, wow, yeah, okay, I'm still that same person that I was, you know. Yeah, it tapped <laughs> into those same feelings that you had then, but as the older dude with responsibilities now who's got, you know, so much he's got to live for. <laughs> right, right, so... So yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. The lyrics, the lyrics have always been really on point as far as uh, as far as like actual like stuff that people can relate to. You know, there are a lot of bands that sat that play a similar style. That you know, like you said, like with Rob Zombie and stuff, where the lyrics are just garbage. Yeah, you know, it's just like something to fill a song. Like, hey man, this sounds cool. This sounds evil or whatever. You know, and it's like. It's thrown oh together God, phonetically because it rhymes. That's right. what a lot of that is. Right. Which is cool. There's a time and a place for that. But I like substance. I like sustenance. I like something that, like, when I hear it, it, it catches me. And, like, just as much as the beat catches me, like, what is this guy saying? And it's like, I kind of want to, like, sink my teeth into it. And I like to get something out of it, you know? Something 
edifying something that uh, basically I like something that stirs something inside of me and that's what, what we strive to achieve with our music you know not like we sit down with every song and say okay we gotta touch people right this, but, you know, this, 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 like, this yeah exactly you know like you just you 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 want to do something that people can really get something out of and you're like man you know what at the end of the day it's like all right god we're putting this out there hopefully dude like same thing i did with still suffering it was like you know what if if one person got something out of this i feel like my job is done and it'll make me feel good and then all the letters started coming in like back in the day and like the aol messenger like when you know that that just goes to show you how long ago that came out like you know, Juno.com was big as for email and <laughs> Angel Fire, Lycos. Yeah, yes, I remember. Yes, exactly. Geocities.com. You know, all the messages would come in, and it was like, man, there's so many people that are feeling this. And it was like, it was heavy, man. It was pretty hardcore. And it's just to be able to, you know, still release stuff that people find relevant um, and that still touches people. Like, did you see the video for the Beast Within that we yeah, did? Yeah, yeah, I watched it on uh, on Facebook, uh, and I I was like, dude, this is it. Like, it's really cool whenever I hear a song because I totally understand that sometimes my personal interpretation of a song may not necessarily have been what that song was necessarily about, or it, you know. But like after watching that video, I was like, all right, yeah, I got that one right. You know, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Anthony Herrera. He's a guy that he's done our artwork since Urban Warfare. He did Urban Warfare cover, the Rise cover. He did our um, lyric video for Manipulation, and he did this video for us. Like we, I, you know, he knew what the song was about, but we, had, I had talked with him pretty extensively and what we wanted to kind of get across. And he said, "Man, I got something in my head that I really want to try to work with. If you guys are cool with it, can I run with it?" And we said, "Absolutely," you know. And um, he had his wife. In the video, he had some of his friends because he had just lost a neighbor um, to this, the same situation, and he was he was feeling it. And you know, and just when "Still Suffering" came out, before just before "Still Suffering" came out, I was struggling. That's why I wrote the song "Disease." "Disease" was about suicide, you know, like a body in a box, flowers on the grave, no one can hear your cries, final choices made. That was like documenting me spiraling out of control considering taking my own life and then you go if you look at like the clank releases a lot of constant theme has been perseverance never giving up and suicide like blow it all away from urban warfare is it's it's kind of poppy but it's about suicide there's a suicide song on every album <laughs> i've noticed pretty yeah. much and, and people go well well, why are you always writing about suicide? I'm like, because it's still an issue. I think it's I awesome that I'm it. still writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, but it is whacked out that I that we still have to release music trying to give people awareness and tell them, hey, you know what? Life sucks sometimes. There's no candy coating it. Life can freaking suck. It's a roller coaster ride. You got to take the good. You got to take the bad. Um, and you got to deal with things as they come. And sometimes things are awesome. And other times they're just crap. And you're in like the complete epitome of the dirt the mire the mud the muck and it sucks you know and you need to know that people are there and they care and it's i know how hard it is you know it's easy to say oh if, you, if you're struggling or hurting reach out to somebody it's true but a lot of people just feel like they can't talk to somebody they feel like well i can't tell these feelings i'm having to somebody because they're going to think i'm crazy or they're going to try to get me locked up because i'm saying i want to hurt myself right well then that was my problem is i like i did reach out and I did get, like, I invited myself into a hospital 
And that was one of the worst experiences of my life because they took away all my personal freedoms and put me away. And they, they put me in like a holding place with like other people that were like mentally, you know. And it was actually, and yeah. I guess it was helpful in the sense that that was where I kind of snapped out of it. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, you know. It like, served its purpose, even though it was tough as hell to go through. Absolutely. And I think I think people are afraid of that, you know. Um, well, yeah, because nobody wants to go. Nobody wants to go through that hell. And at the end of the day, like one of the biggest things we wanted to get across with the Beast Within is like, what are the first things you usually hear people say when somebody commits suicide? Oh, the guy was a punk. He was a bitch. He took the way easy out. way out. He copped out. He didn't think about anybody. He's all, you know, and my favorite, which makes me want to punch people in the throat when I hear it, says he should have just manned up. Just man up. You know, Chris Cornell should have manned up. You know, uh, Chester Bennington should have manned up. When you have a family, you don't do that. And I'm like, you know what? And like we said, unless you've walked a mile in those shoes, you have no clue. Because when people, like Travis said on the podcast, like he was kind of, he had the same similar, similar mindset until a friend, a friend of his explained, your brain fires this way. When you're going through depression or you're on meds and stuff, your brain is misfiring and you're not reading and um, you're not getting information properly and you're not processing we're not processing it properly um, and it's it's like a short circuit you know and that's why people just want the pain to end and yes they do think about their family they do think about their loved ones but at the end of the day it's is the pain and the struggling that they're going through so much that they have to do that they feel that there's no other way out and dude it sucks you know, I mean, my, when I was 16, my friend Douglas, uh, I'm sorry, when I was 18, my friend Douglas that lived next door to me, lived right behind me, killed himself. Um, I've had eight people now during the course of my life take their own life. Somebody that my wife and I had worked with, uh, these two um, these two women we worked with, both killed themselves within a year of each other. And it was like, when does this crap end? You know, and it's like, it's it's an issue and it sucks. And And, but a lot of times like, the medicines and stuff that you're on, the side effects. I mean, you see, you see the 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 TV ads. You know, like take this for depression, but side effects may include like you know total misery, whatever, yeah. suicidal thoughts, <laughs> rectal bleeding, your heart will explode. It's like <laughs> right, and it's like really, is it really worth taking this to fix this situation? Like if you're if you're paranoid or or, or suicidal or depressed, you're going to take something that's supposed to help you, but the side effect is it might make you slit your own throat. Right, right. You know, it, it's 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 crazy, and it, it's the fact that so many people suffer and go through it is is hardcore. But I think, sadly, between like um, Chester Bennington and uh, Chris Cornell, I think that was a kind of a big wake up call because it was two huge names in such a short span of time. That I think, like, obviously it wasn't good that it happened to them, but sure. the fact that it happened to two, so, two such high-profile, like, players in the music business that people that were struggling started to kind of come out of the woodwork and say, <clears throat> you know, man, I'm going through crap. And, you know, not like to copycat them, but they, you know, a lot of people were kind of like, like, you know, after the fact, like looking at some of the stuff Chester said in his lyrics or like Chris Cornell, I was like, man, this just sounded like a happy, good song. But some people didn't realize that, like how much they were suffering and what they were going through and that 
put on the happy face facade when you go out in public, but inside you're dying. You're slowly dying and you're miserable. And, you you know, it's sad because you have these people that are multimillionaires that are high profile playing arenas and touring. They have love and admiration by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And they're just suffering inside. It's really it's really sad and it's something that's always hit home and it's and it and it's hurt, you know, especially knowing so many close friends of, of like mine. Pat's guitar player and his old band like took his own life and it's like we know so many people. And it's like if you don't know somebody directly that committed suicide, somebody you know or somebody you admire in music or art or something in the arts you're affected by it in one way or another. And it's just when, when it's somebody you know personally, it hits home so much harder and it's, it sucks. It's like, you know, it's like when you see somebody on the ground, it's, you want to reach down and pick them up, so you'll try. But it just sucks when sometimes you can't get at people. You know, you see them hurting and you just can't reach them. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it sounds redundant, but we, that's why we constantly have these songs about it because there's just such a need. And it sucks to see so many people hurting and hear their stories, you know? But it, like, in your case, it's great to hear success stories because, you know, A, you're still here. You Like you said, you're a father, you're a family man, and it's like, you think about if you would have made a brash decision, who knows where any of that would have went or what would have happened to the, you know, your loved ones and, and there's all that, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, who would have known what, you know, life would have been for those around you had you did that, you know? One of the things, you know, for me was that you know, and we talked about this. We actually we talked with uh, Scott Mellinger of Zayo uh, a few, I guess a few months ago now, and we talked about this very topic. And um, one of the things that he said, you know, because like with me, my depression was more situational, where it wasn't necessarily clinical. So it's in almost in a lot of ways, it was easier for me to overcome once I got out of that situation that I was in. You know. Yeah. But um, you know, for a lot of for a lot of other people. One of the things that I noticed that that's hard is that you know, and again, that's that's, that's really why I love, love that song, "The Beach Within," because it really hits home in the sense that, like, have you ever noticed that whenever you're upset about something or you're depressed or you're down, everybody's like really supportive of you the first time you talk about it, and then yeah. the second time you talk about it, it's like, oh, it sucks that you're still going through that, and then the third time they don't want to hear it at all. Yeah, come on, man. You're still going through that. There's drugs for that, you know? Yeah. And man, that sucks. You know, it's like one of those things that like, cause even, even with me, it was a situational thing, but it's not like I don't get depressed or I don't have, you know, issues. Um, and you know, I was lucky enough to realize that like, for me, I'm a creative person. So I felt like I needed to continue doing something creatively. Like I said, I played music years ago and I quit doing that. And so for a while I was just working and, you know, so, you know, eventually it was a no brainer. That's like, you know what? I could do a podcast and talk to people and have fun. And, and, uh, and so that, that was one of the things that contributed to kind of getting out of that situation of like, no, I, I can matter in the sense that I'm going to create something that I can go back and listen to. Even if nobody ever listens to this podcast or nobody <laughs> ever downloads it or whatever, I've at least got something that I can go back to and be like, this is what I contributed to. You know, and that's awesome. Yeah, that was our whole thing, man. And like, yeah, it's it's very frustrating. And that's that song, like, really. And one of the things that I thought was really cool about it to kind of bring it back to the music side of it is that, like, I thought it was really cool. And I, I probably said this before, but like, that it's 2017 
and I can still listen to a Clank song and still have that same feeling that I had, you know, when I was a kid, you know. And yeah. uh, dude, and that means so much. Like, that means so much to me, and I know, like, with Pat and Eric too, because of that, like, knowing that and the fact that people still get that connection, dude. That's why. That's why we still do what we do, you know. And it's like I know the people are like, oh yeah, it's great to hear that kind of thing. But dude, seriously, like, that's the kind of stuff that like brings me to tears because it's like this is something that we create that somebody's getting something out of it like and it's not just like oh this is a cool song they like really connecting with it and for me dude that's that's so great to hear and i appreciate that so much well and like us being music critics you know we i listen to so much heavy music you know what i mean like so much like to the point where like if i really start getting into it hardcore people start walking away you know <laughs> come on dude you know there's got to be more to it than that you know and uh it's weird because like i listen to so much heavy music and i you know i identify with the anger the frustration there's some bands that just like really hit home but then i i kind of feel like 90 percent of it is just it's just there to be there. You know what I mean? It's just there. It's to, filler. It's, yeah. Like it's like, it's fake. Like, I mean, like I like, I like death metal bands and stuff, you know, you know, like, like I like, I like bands like cannibal corpse. I like, I love their music. It's very, you know, really intense, but the lyrical output doesn't match up with that. It's just like, yeah, yeah I, you know, killed this person. And this is like a, a detailed uh, depiction of how we killed this person, even though we didn't actually kill this person. And we don't know, yeah. we, you know, we just watched a lot of horror movies and thought that that would be cool yeah. to make lyrics. You know, <laughs> we watched a Dexter episode and wrote about it. <laughs> right, right. So like there, there's so much metal, I guess, out there that's just so that's so fake, you know, and that and that was uh that, that was my biggest attraction to Clank, especially because, like, the, when I first got Still Suffering, somebody from my church gave it to me. And he gave me a tape, and he's like, yeah, check this out or whatever. And it was funny because I would listen to it, and, like, at the time, people were showing me, like, bands that were very, like, well, like, just very Christian, very religious or whatever. And so, like... Very preachy, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, when I listened to Still Suffering, I was like, well... And it's funny too because I was, you know, you open up the lyric booklet and it basically says this is not Christian music, you know, or like not specifically that, you know, and uh, and so I remember listening to that and being like, wow, like this is really like, <laughs> it was almost like my secret, like I could listen to this angry, heavy music, and nobody could give me any trouble about it because it was on Tooth and Nail Records, so that means it must be, yeah. you know totally safe for me to listen to that sounds you like know. your zeo logic all over again. that's my zeo logic man 100 yeah. percent. well you know? that was the thing is like parents didn't approve because it was heavy parents didn't approve dude we had brandon ebel had called me and said we got a bunch of returns why because the album artwork was too dark they said you didn't thank god i'm like i did thank god right yeah but and i said i'm a you know obsessive compulsive and anal retentive, I made my special thanks in alphabetical order. People got pissed off because God was under G and not first. Oh, my God. You know that's going to send you directly to hell, right? Oh, uh, dude, <laughs> I, I got, a, I got a, a cheesy pass to the, you know, down that hell now, you know? Right, for sure. But it was weird, though, because it was like, people said the album art was too dark. It was like every page was black with just white writing on it. And it was like every excuse you could think of. It was like, but did you listen to it? You know, I'm like, it was about, you know, questioning spiritual stuff like God and, you know, uh, the, songs like Downside, you know, that was released 1996. Um, it's still relevant. Today. Absolutely. 
like there's so many you know songs like burning like you know questioning things and and saying like hey god i know you're there but where are you what the heck is going on you know isn't that smart to question spiritual things that you're going to dedicate your life to you know like yeah and it was like and that was the thing is like people got stuff out of it and it was like for all the returns and the crap i mean dude people would boycott our shows we played Cornerstone. We wouldn't. We didn't consider ourselves a Christian band then, but we just wanted to play. We didn't care if it was like a church basement or like Anton LaVey's church barbecue. You know, we didn't care. We just wanted to play. And people would come up to us. I'd like, dude, there's nothing more, I don't even want to say aggravating, something more bizarre about having an 11 year old kid come up to you and say, I really love your music. Um, but unfortunately, I have to give you back these five shirts I bought in your CD because my parents says it's not Christian enough. You know, nothing good can come out of this. Your shirt says, in my world, there is no end to pain. I had a woman screaming at me. She was screaming, saying, your shirt says, in my world, there is no pain. In, in, there is no end to pain. You know, it's a quote from Scarify. She's like, once you're a Christian, there is no pain. And I was like, um, lady, are you crazy? Do you live on because you're nuts like just because you're a christian doesn't mean you don't have any pain if anything you might even have more because you're trying to live a good life and dude it was like you name it we had it happen to us like the boycotting the returns people coming to like cornerstone and at our press conference and saying well i can't support you and what you do because you say you're not a christian and i said you know what for many years i didn't like to use the term christian because the term Christian got misconstrued. I mean, being in that market, I saw all the people that would preach from the stage, would give altar calls and all this, but then they were getting drunk and high at their homes or whatever, you know? And it was like, I'm not gonna sit there and, and you know, bash these people publicly or, because that wasn't my place. But at the same point, I didn't want to be a part of the hypocrisy. You know, and I've been burnt by many churches that I was in growing up, like scandals and craziness, people that should be in jail for the stuff that they did and they're not and they never got any they were never brought to justice for the things that they did and it's like i didn't want to have any association with that i mean it wasn't over until like 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 i was telling travis in the other podcast like it wasn't until like last year the end of last year where i started coming around because of my wife and i was like for the first time in my life i'm in a position where i'm not ashamed to call myself a christian i don't like to use that term a lot just because it's still there's still, you know, it has holes. associations. Yeah, there's still people that you know use that as a ploy to do whatever they want to do. But at the same point, I'm like, I like to live my life the best way I can, the way I think a Christian should live. And my example, like, hopefully, I'm trying to. Um, the example I'm giving off to people is what they need to see. I, I at the end of the day, I want to try to be what I think a good example of a Christian should be because. You can quote scripture all day, you can talk the talk, but if you're not walking it, it's counterproductive. And I don't believe in bashing people over the head on the with a Bible on a street corner. That to me, that's counterproductive too. You know what, you really want to talk to people? Let them see how you live your life. If they say, hey, you know what? There's something about this guy. There's something about this woman here. Like, there's something different about them. They're, 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 they try to be good people, you know, they're trying to live like Jesus would live and not getting hung up on all the the nonsense, the, 
you know, I don't know, dude. It's this is one of those things I could go off on hours. For it's hours all right. Because, we're uh, we we we've actually had three hour podcasts before, so yeah. we're, you know, well, you know, because there's there's people that get hung up on, you know. If you don't observe, if if you don't observe the Sabbath on a Saturday and you observe it on Sunday, you're going to hell. And I'm like, really? I think that my God is a lot bigger than that. That's not, you know. I mean, there's just little little things that people will nitpick about, and you know, I mean, I don't know, dude. It's like at the end of the day, try to be the best person you can, and I, I like to try to live my life, especially these days, the best way I can, and you know. Try to like, if anything, hopefully I can show somebody that you can still be a human being. You can still make mistakes and stuff, but you can still try to live a positive life and be a good example for people. And they'll hopefully get something from that and not think it, you know, oh, you're just another typical Christian with insert, you know, thing how they've been wronged here by somebody claiming they were Christian. And it's like, that's not what it should be about, you know. Did you ever look at one of those people that came up to you and said, you put your thanks in alphabetical order and say, you know, ma'am, it could have been worse. In the Latin alphabet, Jehovah begins with an I. At the end of the day, no matter what you do, people will find something to nitpick about and, and complain. Absolutely. And honestly, I used to be one of those people. I was... Um very at one point in my life I would have described myself as a conservative Christian or a fundamentalist type Christian. You were definitely a fundamentalist. Yeah, and I did that for I did that for a few years and you know really it was one of those frustrating things. I was totally, you know, like it kind of became all about me after a while. Yeah. And stopped actually being about the religion aspect of it. It was about how I was right, how everybody else was wrong. And you know what's really sucks about having that kind of mindset? It's really lonely. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody wants to hang out with you because who wants to be who wants to be judged for every little thing that they do, you know? And uh, <laughs> by somebody who's right all the time. <laughs> it's weird too because like so we did a we did a like a Christian music uh, magazine back in 05. It's like 10 years ago. 10, 12 years ago. And, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, I was like fresh out of high school and I really wanted to do something for the Lord or whatever. And uh, like it was uh, we we talked about like Christian extreme bands and, and stuff like that. And it was kind of cool. Like, we did a podcast, you know. And so it was really funny because like 10 years later I show back up on discography discussion and uh, immediately like people that knew me were like Dude, you're saying curse words on your podcast a lot, you know, and uh, you're drinking beer, you know, and you're doing all these things that supposedly Christians aren't supposed to do, you know. And, How uh, dare you? I know, right? I know, like, seriously. But uh, it, what was funny about it was that, like, you know, I was just trying to be more honest with people. And, like, honestly, like, as much as I, as much as I pray, praise Travis and his podcast, I... Uh, like I really, I think that dude's great because he really inspired me to just kind of be a little bit more upfront about things. That's awesome. We have a little bit of a, of personal experience with Travis and Joe. You can cut this part because we've gone over it a million times. But um, save it we for had, later. Next we time, were go ahead. A, we were in a band. <laughs> uh, we were in a band around like 2006, 2007. We actually recorded our album at Travis's house, and uh, so we nice. that that was that was our connection to him and. Um, but no, I remember listening to his podcast and, and just being really inspired, like, wow, 
I know that guy. I know that guy, number one, you're right. <laughs> but yeah. number two, it being like a, uh, this idea of like, and you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Zayo fan and, you know, how they kind of, they kind of fell out of the faith, you know, side of it over time. And, um, but what I really liked about his style was that like, I don't have to necessarily shun my past either you know i can still talk about how like dude i was a huge circle of dust fan back in the day i was a big tourniquet fan back in the day i was you know and uh and all that stuff so like it's kind of cool nowadays being able to kind of come out of the woodwork talk about a lot of this stuff of the stuff that like really only a very specific portion of the population actually remembers yeah yeah i I hear you I don't know where I was going with that, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, but no, it was it was just really cool. And it, like going going back to to still suffering and a guy at my church giving it to me. I remember like because I bought or he gave me still suffering the tape, and then I was like, well, I don't want this tape, so I, I bought the CD, you know. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I got uh, and then I got numb after that, and um, I remember listening to it thinking like, I, I never considered it Christian music. You know, I considered yeah. it, I considered it positive music, despite what my mom said. You know, but uh, <laughs> you know, nothing good can come out of that noise. I was like, no, it's it's really positive. You know, <laughs> like it is. It's 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 uplifting in a way, and that that was one of the things that really drew me to it was that it was it was uplifting, and like you said, it was that it was that theme of perseverance, like. I think I think the biggest problem that a lot of people have with negativity in music is acknowledging struggle. You know, acknowledging yeah. that it's there. But just because you're acknowledging it doesn't mean that you're glorifying it. You yeah. know, it's just that you're you know, you're just you're saying, yeah, it's there, it's real. You know, like in the world that I live in, you know, the planet that I live on, <laughs> the pain is endless. You know, or the, you know, like it's just one of those annoying things where it's like, yeah, in the real world where actual people live, pain exists. Isn't it funny yeah. how nobody says that about country music or pop music? Hey, there's some old school country that's really legit. But, but nobody yeah. ever <laughs> says that about that. Right. Yeah, and all of that's like downer. You know, a lot of it's like, she took my dog, she took my car, you know, or the chick was vindictive and, you know, scraped up the dude's car with a knife. And right. a lot of that stuff is, it's kind of dark and sad and depressing, but... If you wrap that in a heavy in a heavy bow, people want to boycott it. If you wrap it up in a country bow and put a, a pedal steel guitar, you'll sell out stadiums. Yeah, but that's why it. we that's why we have bands like Clank where it's, you know, danceable and heavy. <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> It's it's I and I, I didn't even mean to get on all those topics about about religion and stuff, but it's just um, it's just one of those things that like still to this day bothers me is that that yeah. that feeling of just wanting to condemn versus wanting to help, yeah. you know, because it's easy to condemn. It's easy to cut somebody up. It's a lot, but it's really hard to try to uplift people and help them up. You know, at the end of the day, think about it. If somebody cuts you off, the first, I mean, dude, I'm from New York. Somebody cuts me off. My first reaction is flip them the bird, you know, but then I'm like, no, don't do that. That's not cool. You know, it's it's very easy to flash out. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and go to something negative. The, the, the real challenge is, and I don't want to say turning the other cheek, but the real challenge is dealing with something and not letting it get the best of you, like the anger and the, 
the pissed offedness and the frustration, you know? Pissed offedness. You need to copyright that. Clank yeah. 2017. <laughs> Clank 2017. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Like, it's one of those, like, having to be an adult about everything. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I consider to kind of be a well-balanced person. Like, the, the generally accepted idea of how do I be an adult about this? Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> and sadly, we don't have a lot of that, you know. Yeah. Adulting sucks. It does. <laughs> oh, my God. It really does. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes it blows. This whole being a grown-up thing stinks. I, I, I wish I could kind of, like, get back in my TARDIS and travel back through time and go back to, like, you know, when I was 23 years old touring in a van making almost no money but it was like i didn't care i was paying 300 dollars a month for rent i didn't have no monthly expenses besides that now it's like i'd give my left cheek if i only owed 300 dollars a month you know what right, I'm right? <laughs> <laughs> it seemed at the crazy. end of the world then yeah 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 seriously but oh uh, yeah so like you know back to that a little bit on the, on the touring and the and the going out and um and I sadly have never seen Clank live. Um, boo! Boo! Well, there was this one time, but there was a snowstorm. But, you know. Um, <laughs> hey, dude. Well played, sir. Well played. You're right. That, that's a professional goal. You have been booed by Clank. I have been, officially. Yeah. That's what we're going to put in the show notes, you know, booed by Clank. But, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag life goals. Right. <laughs> But, uh, no, I remember, like, I, and I could be wrong. I may have caught a little bit of Circle of Dust at Cornerstone one year, but it was, God, that was so long ago. I can't even, you know. That would have been 98 or 99, I think. It was a long time ago. And well, Circle of Dust, it would have been 93, 94, or 95. Yeah, and, like, I would have been, yeah. I would have been, like, this tall. I would have been very, very tiny at that yeah, time. Yeah. And I remember, uh. I just remember like the the program beats and the, you know the the keyboards and um, and again it, I could have seen Circle of Dust or it could have just been some other band. Um, my uncle at the time told me it was Circle of Dust, so what do you know? You know, but uh, cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I you know obviously a huge fan of that band. We'll be covering them uh, later on, and uh, I guess uh, to to kind of bring it back to music a little bit, I don't want to ask a dumb question like what were your influences whenever you started? Playing? I got it. May but, I? May I? Yeah, you go ahead, Joe. You take it. You're more eloquent than I am. Yeah, except I'm losing my voice, so this is going to sound amazing on the podcast recording. Yes, it will. (laughs) Just throw some effects on it. Distortion. I'll shift it up a couple registers. Paul McCartney did it. Clank 2017. (laughs) Just throw some some effects on it. Put it through an Eventide. It'll be fine. (laughs) 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 All right, so everybody asked the question, what were your influences? Why this? Why that? The question I always like to ask is, what band did you hear that made you say, all right, now I'm going to go make Clank? Um, that's kind of a tough and loaded question because um, I, like, the biggest bands growing up, the three biggest bands that had an influence on me was Electric Light Orchestra, Kansas, and The Cars. Because I have, I'm the youngest of six boys, so all my brothers had crazy musical taste so I would being the youngest one at the bottom of the tree got you know the joy of of this nice well-rounded plethora of things I got hit with but I I, I always loved like stuff like ELO and stuff um, and then you know I was into bands like King's X and stuff like that but um Doug it was Pinnick. actually yeah dude Doug Pinnick for the win I love that Stand guy Stand up guy <laughs> yep yeah um, but I um 
Clay from Circle of Dust was actually, I was at his job and he, I remember he played Nine Inch Nails for me and he was my first exposure. He played Nine Inch Nails in ministry and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I was like, I want more now, please. Yes. The heavy, the electronics. And I was like, and that was the thing, like the cars were very synth orientated, but they were like, you know, brainy pop, you know, and like ELO was very synth uh, and orchestrated so it, to me I like stuff that was out of the box like out out of the normal box this stuff was like it had audio samples it had loops it had like noises and blips and sweeps and it was like it was dude it was like <clears throat> a dude who got his first shot of heroin like it was <laughs> like what is this I need more I need more you know like <laughs> And it was just like, holy cow, it was just something totally different. And then I started finding out about all these other bands, you know, and like you had like the, the Fear Factories and the basically bands. I was like, you know what? I'm like, that's why, you know, I was playing with Circle of Dust and it was like 1993. And I was like, you know, originally, see, Clank originally was a side project idea and I wanted it to be like death metal-y, but with that... I wanted like, okay, it's gonna say it's gonna sound weird. I wanted to I, I wanted to bridge like Slayer meets Dr. Dre, and when I say Dr. Dre, I mean like musically, not so much the rappy, but just because he had the great samples and the old song samples and the loops and the beats, and I was like, I want something that's fast and heavy, but has its breakdowns and it's very just electronic and. I want to sway. I want something that's going to move me. I want to beat because when I put something on, I want something that's going to get my head bopping, you know, keep your head ringing, you know, something that's just going to really move you. And, you know, you know, as soon as you hear a good song with a good beat, either the foot starts tapping or the head starts nodding and you're like, yeah, yeah, I like this. And I wanted to do originally that. Um, That was originally what Brandon Ebel thought he was going to get, too, when he signed me. Because he signed me without hearing anything except for the original Animosity demo, which came out... It was recorded in December of 93 and released on an REX record sampler. Dude, it was... You know, I cut two tracks, a rough bass. uh, Clay had programmed out some drums. There was really no samples and just total, like, guttural vocal. Um... And it's so funny because on my popularity with Circle of Dust uh, and and that one song, I got signed without showing him anything. That's and then so the first awesome. song we gave him was Downside. And he was like, I remember he was like, he was on the phone. And he was like, OK, um, so this is not really anything like what I thought it was going to be, but I like it. Give me more. <laughs> right. You know, so it was like, cool. We got the green light, you know, and but it was like that just. I think it was because of the possibilities were endless. The more I took myself out of traditional music and like the, you know, just drums, bass, guitar, and vocals. And I started thinking, well, you know, the cars have all these, you know, synths and ELO has all these crazy like analog synths and moogs and all these old chords. It was like the sky is the limit, you know? And then your brain just, my brain was just start, man, like, firing my my synapses i couldn't even keep up with what my brain was firing off because i was like i need to try to funnel this and then that's how you know clank was born originally but like the first couple times i heard like fear factory and i was like man this is super heavy 
but they did have their melodic aspects because you know, like in the early years Burton was doing like the really gruff and then songs like Martyr he was like suffer bastard suffer you know it was really he had both sides of the spectrum and I was like <laughs> again like tapping that vein in my arm like I need more I want to do this my way you know I want to take the heavy aspects and the singy aspects but wrap them up in my own little bow, you know, and put my touch on it. And hence, you know, Clank was born. And in 95, when Circle of Dust stopped playing and technically had officially broke up, um, it was, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I'm like, because I was like, to me, Circle of Dust was my meal ticket. It was like, because dude, Circle of Dust was blowing up. We were getting pretty big. So it was like, what am I going to do now? You know, and... uh Ironically, I don't know if you've ever heard of a band called Six Feet Deep. I were, have. Uh, I played guitar on like three tours with them because Mike Schaefer wasn't able to play. I had no um, idea. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude. They were old friends and label mates. So right like a couple of months after Circle Defended, I mean, dude, I was in a really bad depression. I was bummed out because I was like, man, it was my chance. <laughs> you know? Um, so those guys got me back on stage. And, and it was just like, they were like, man, we need a guitar player that knows how to tour and Tom Wolfield, the drummer, called me up and he was like, dude, you know, do you think you can play? And I was like, I'll try to figure some of the stuff out, but I'll come out early. So I came out like a week early. We jammed a bunch. I stayed in the house with those guys because they all lived in like this one house in Elyria, Ohio. Learned the stuff and then went out on the tour. But then, I digress. But then after that, um, you know, uh, Brandon was like, hey, are you going to pursue your Clank thing? And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And then it was like, okay, well, now we're going to move full forward and try to start the Clank thing. And the rest is, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but that was the the launch, like Circle of Dust was the launching pad for that. And, you know, then the time I spent with Six Feet Deep was cool, too, because they were friends. They were good friends. But it was hardcore. It was different. It was different. I was just used to playing metal you know, I was like the token metal guy in Circle of Dust, you know, and that's where I got the name Clank, you know. Um, what is Clank? It's me. Yeah, exactly. It was like I was chasing, you know, like chasing the promoter's kid around and the dude, one dude went to trip me and Jason's like, dude, you can't do that. This guy's so metal. He'll just totally clank when he hits the ground and <laughs> it just kind of stuck, you know, and it was funny, you know, but uh, but I mean, here we are, you know, it's that was the debut album came out November 5th, 1996, and here we are. It's 2017. It's crazy. And, yeah. I know. can't believe it's been that long, honestly. Like, it's it's weird when I went from that I went from that kid who just hated everyone, you know? <laughs> and uh, Hey, dude, he's right, he's right there, by yeah, the way. Yeah, here we are in 2017, <laughs> and it's like, has it been that long? I mean... Yeah. Now picture that for me. Jesus. Yeah, I know, about, right? Like, when, yeah. When the kids are like, I'm like, uh, my dad turned me on to your music. I was like, really? I'm like, when were you born? I was born in like, you know, whatever, like uh, 1998 or no 2002. bullshit. Nobody's born after 1994. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And I just, and it's kind of, you know, it's it's kind of funny for us because like. You know, we start to think about it. I'm like, oh my god, man. I'm like, yeah, I'm old. We're old. Like the band is like. Oh, that's why it's funny when people have never heard of Clank before. They go, hey, so, you know, do an interview. They go, we got this this fresh new band called Clank. And I kind of laugh. And I go, like, what the hell? Fresh? Yeah. <laughs> I, go, I don't know about fresh, man. I'm like, we're not new. I'm like, we might be new to you. You know, and then right. they go back and they go, oh, you have this many albums out? You know, and it's like, yeah. And that's why, like, this past year, we really wanted to kind of up our ante, too. I mean, like, we, 
Okay, one of the pros and cons of having your own studio is you can not have to pay somebody like studio time and stuff, right? Right. And what's one of the what's one of the cons? You could spend like two years working on an album like Urban Warfare, yeah. and then you get to that point where you go, "When is enough? When is enough enough?" Worth you the know, wait, like, by the way. Yeah, so, well, thank you. Yeah. But it's like it was the same thing with Rise, dude. It was like, okay, we, we were kind of like, you know what? Like, sooner or later, there has to be a cutoff point. And Pat would be like, "Are you done with this song?" And it was like, "Only human." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm done." He's like, "You sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, nothing else. No vocals, no nothing." He's like, "I can start mixing it." I'm like, "Yeah, we'll start mixing." And then he'll be playing, playing it back like a rough mix. And I'll start like, we're all that. He'll be like, oh no, you're not adding another part, are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. I'm hearing something. You know, and he'd be like, okay, press record, you know. Uh, because, you know, you can get lost sometimes. And, and that's where you just kind of have to go, all right, we're going to draw a line. We finished it up the end of last year. And like January, we made sure it came out in January. And just recently, like, Three, two, three months ago, we released the uh, the soundtrack, the musical score we did for. Um, it's called Metal Missionaries. Metal Missionaries, the documentary. yeah. Yeah, and that's um, my and it's funny again. My childhood friend Bruce Moore um, said, "Hey, man, I'm doing this this documentary, and I would love to maybe have you guys do the score for it." And we're like, "All right, we've never done that before." And Hell yeah! So we did that, and it was great too because people were like, "Wait a minute." Not only did we get one Clank release this year, we got two, technically. Yeah. I'm like, technically, I'm like, because there's 22 songs on there. I mean, there's no vocals because it was written just music. But hey, if you it's listen. It's pure Clank. Yeah. Dude, and, but if you listen, I don't know if you guys have listened to any of that, but if you listen to like some of the songs on there, it's like, it's just crazy riff fest. Some of it is just, I was like, what is some of the most crazy, obnoxious riffing I can do right now? Like the very, the very last song called Coda is just. Really like it's all like gallops and like by the time I was done I was like Pat I need an ice pack for my wrist you know because it was just like because we just wanted to be crazy with it and then that's because you don't have to sing over it at all it's just oh dude yeah I know and that's a blessing in disguise because it was like this song is great I don't have to worry about writing lyrics you know but uh but yeah dude I mean so like we're we've been totally happy with like all our releases and stuff and just. Like this past year, like I said, being able to do the two releases, um, and we have almost in the can now a Rise Remix EP, which will be coming out in 2018. Awesome. Which has remixes by us, remixes by a, a handful of people that we um, admire their work, mutual admiration. Um, there's some brand new songs, and there's uh, it might just be one or two cover songs on there too. Dude, I'm excited about that for sure. Yeah, and so we were like, especially with me moving to Texas, a lot of people just assumed, oh well, Clank is over and done with. I'm like, actually, no. The joy <laughs> of technology is, Pat's in the studio in uh, San Jose, FaceTiming me late nights, and so I'm working with him. Like he'll, we'll you know send me like MP3s of stuff or play stuff over the phone and we're like all right this is cool but why don't you try adding this what about putting a keyboard here so i mean the dynamic has changed a little bit but we're still creating it's face to face man i feel like i feel like you and i are in a coffee shop right now talking (laughs) you know what i mean like coffee shop that serves beer this yeah coffee shop that serves beer but yeah (laughs) like it's uh but no like i that's the wonders wonders of technology right now what we're doing could be a band practice you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's one of those 
really cool things and uh and you know you can you can line into your computer and they can run into their headphones and you know it's just like you're there you know and uh, has this program he found out about where the only thing we haven't been able to do yet is me cut vocals here and have it patch into him real time but he found this program this remote app this remote program where all i need to do is have um a microphone in front of me and plug into i forgot exactly what he said but basically it's this specialty program where i can just kind of go into a board as long as i have an internet connection i can go into this thing real time and as i'm cutting he can play it i can have the audio in my headphones here and my tracks fly right in real time right into the freaking studio that's awesome I mean, dude, I mean, how cool is that, you know? That beats the old ISDN lines where they would call in. <laughs> Absolutely, And you'd be God. listening over the phone like, dude, okay, do that again. I remember listening to shit on, like, like or downloading games and stuff on, like, bulletin board systems on yeah. a 28K modem. You know, like, this is crazy where we're at, you know? Yeah, we've gone from downloading a song off LimeWire to doing, like, you know, 96 tracks over an internet connection and it's bizarre it's awesome though yeah i mean like it, like for us especially like being able to do face-to-face interviews you know like that's that's insane in the sense yeah. of like i remember skype audio back in the day like it was like okay i talk and then i press this button and then they talk and then it downloads to me, and then I talk. Like it's yeah. it's insane. I remember back when we used to do our metal magazine. We like, I remember I did a lot of my interviews via um, via like email. Yeah, you know, like email interviews are the worst. <laughs> but like they, uh, <laughs> it's funny too because I did one with Jason Wisdom back in the day for uh, becoming the archetype, and he uh, on our episode on Living Sacrifice, he um, actually called me out on it <laughs> you know like he was like oh man i was like you probably don't remember but like 13 years ago i did an interview with you uh via email and he was like oh yeah i totally remember all the uh, all the in- email interviews i did in tw- you know 2000 and what three <laughs> four you know <laughs> yeah that was crude but it got the point across and it was a it was a method of communication then and it it served its purpose. I remember thinking that was like the biggest deal in the entire world. And like, dude, with like podcasting, it has been incredible as far as like the the people that we're able to talk to that like, you know, like, dude, I was a kid in church listening to Still Suffering on a cassette tape. And here we are talking now, you know, like it's it's crazy. <laughs> and um, here I am in my freezer grabbing ice so I can pour myself a drink. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Skype interview from the freezer. <laughs> I didn't Tales think it felt a little. Oh, it's so cold in here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan, that guy's not Alton Brown. That'll be next. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that we talked about really early. This is like an hour ago, so I apologize. But like we, uh, when you were talking about the electronic elements, and being able to do whatever you wanted to do. Do you feel like using electronics in metal music? makes it easier to go in whatever direction you want to go in? Um, well, when it comes to that, it's like, I always noticed there was more possibilities with, uh, um, you know, with, with, with the technology, with the, the keyboards, the samples, the loops, all of that. It was like, yes, with traditional music, it's like you are 
kind of limited because you have your just typical, you know, like I said, drums, bass, vocals, guitar. But you have, you know, for myself, I, I, I would hear, I had an old Chevy, and when I would close the door, it made this, this really wacky noise. And I remember going, I remember saying, I oh, dude, I want to sample that. They go, my friends would be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I want to sample that, record it, and put it in. So, dude, I'm outside with a, you know, back in the day with a little handheld DAT player with a microphone, closing my door, you know, getting all kinds of little noises. And I'll never forget my friend Mike from high school when he, when I, I ran into him, and he was one of those guys that, like, he always played guitar. He wasn't that good, but he had tons of gear, but he always played guitar. And I remember telling him, He's like, yeah, I hear you're in some band now. I said, yeah, you know, Circle of Dust, it's industrial music. And he goes, what's that? And I explained to him, and he goes, all right, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. He's like, nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to hear heavy guitars over dancey beats and, like, freaking computer music. Sorry, it's never happening. <laughs> I beg to differ. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. You know, but I, I thought differently. And, you know, here we are, all these years later, it's like, a lot of times, a lot of songs will start, like, if I come up with a riff idea or we jam an idea, and we'll be like, okay, like, dude, I'll sit with my drum machine and my guitar, and I'll, I'll say, okay, Pat, here's a sketch I got. I got, like, five or six different riffs and, like, a little basic layout. I'm like, this is what I got. And he'll be like, okay, are you hearing anything, sample anything, or, or you know, are you, are you hearing anything electronics yet? And I'm like, well, not yet. Take it, you know, start throwing your, your feeling on it, and let me see, uh, let me see how it goes. Can you guys still hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, only because my screen just started tripping out. It said low battery. Let me get my uh, charger here. Uh, but so then he'll basically take it, and he'll start to grab what he's feeling in his mind, and he'll say, oh, man, I got a great idea for this. I got to put a loop here. I'll put some noises here. And then, like, usually, like, a, a day or two later, we regroup, get together, and he's like, okay, this is what I've got so far. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, like, I... Might not have had a lot of ideas initially, but then after hearing the flavor that he threw on it, all of a sudden the floodgates are open in the brain and it's like, oh dude, you put this melody here. I could totally put a vocal melody over your keyboard line. Let's put a couple of a couple of noises going back and forth. And that's one of the joys of working with Pat for like over 20 years now is he's been one of my best friends and like the main guy that I always worked with from way back in the day. And it was like, we have this great musical relationship where I'll say, dude, this is what I'm hearing. And, I'm, <clears throat> and I'll try to simulate it as well as I can with my mouth. And he'll go, oh, do you mean something like this? And he'll grab his mouse and he'll be like, click, click, drag, click, 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 move this here, stretch this, this, pitch shift this. And he'll be like, like this, click. And I'll be like, oh. You're like, you read you know, my and, mind. And, yeah. Dude, seriously. And because he's the tech guru in our band, like, I'm, you know, I come up with a lot of ideas. He makes them happen. He's the guy that, you know, has clocked in thousands upon thousands of hours behind the board. And we have this great working relationship. Or, or Eric will say, dude, what if you put something under, I'm hearing something that goes, whatever, and Pat will make it happen. And it's just this great, working environment where like the sky is the limit like you know like i said like the possibilities are endless and that's where it also comes back to like also when you have your own studio you have to get to a point where you say okay 
the song is capped off because you can pretty much add samples and noises and stuff like for years. Whenever, <laughs> you yeah. Know, sooner or later, you, you got to draw a line and say there's got to be a ceiling to this. But yes, I mean, to, the short answer is there's so much. The possibilities are endless. And you can just do... Because, I mean, look, with a guitar, you can make all kinds of noises. You can simulate all kinds of things just with a guitar. And, but if you have all these other, you know, keyboards and synths and loops and old school moogs and all this, it's like, man, dude, you know, you just... You can take a noise from a movie, pitch that noise down, play it backwards and chop it up, and it's a part of a song, and nobody knows. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And you'd, be, you'd really be amazed and surprised at some of the things you hear in songs that you don't know what they originated at. Right. Well, that's necessary, right? Because in today's age, if you upload that song to YouTube or you upload yeah. it to Facebook or something, it's going to get caught by a filter, you know? Like, you're a circle of dust fans. You know the song Telltale Crime? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, you know the band Believer? Mm-hmm. The very first album Believer had, I don't remember if it's called Shadow of Death. It's the one that starts off. Clay basically took the opening riff to that song, played it backwards, cut a couple of little parts of it, and that is the main riff from Telltale Crime. Does Kurt Bachman know that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, They're all on the same same label, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Believers are old friends, too. You know, it's IE, like, on Manipulation, Kevin from Believer did a solo, did the guitar solo on that. So, but it's just, like, it's amazing the things that, like, you can do. You can just take something like, you know, a rusty pipe or a bang from something. Like, one of the things we got, how we had this old bag... Uh, it was like a, a burlap bag with old cassette tape cases in it. Nice. I remember years ago we dropped it on the floor and it made this crazy sound. And I remember <laughs> my, we had my friend Mitch. He sampled it. So we had, you know, we set up like four different microphones and we got all so like technical awesome. with it. Yeah. Drop it on the floor and then sample it. And then that becomes like a part of a layered kick drum, which sounds like this big, boomy, like John Bonham, Led Zeppelin like you know and it's but you Powerful. never know yeah totally so it's amazing like the possibilities are just so endless <laughs> that's so awesome okay <laughs> so i'm just thinking about dropping like a big bag of cassette tape or cassette tape cases you know yeah you do know anybody with a punching bag take a punching bag put some mics around it and hit it slow like with an aluminum or wooden baseball bat that's You'd your bass drum sound the, yeah well, no, I'm 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 just giving I'm I'm helping you come up with a bass drum sound. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. See, Dan, I can hear this phone call now. Hey, Joe, you know that bag of cassettes I have? Yeah, I want the bass drum to sound like this. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have your your two mics on your kick drum, and then you have two ambient mics in the room, and you drop this bag from like four or five feet, and you're like, there you go, and then, and it layers over it. You know, the, the possibilities are just. Endless because people just lay layer drums. Like you'll notice a lot of albums. Like if you just have a kick and a snare, it'll sound fat. But if you layer like two snares over that, or a slightly differently tuned or recorded kick over it, all of a sudden you have this giant mammoth sound. And it's all those tricks in the studio, you know. And then some bands take it too far, and their entire record is a 
uh, fake drummer that they just bought a box of samples for 300 bucks at Guitar Center. <laughs> and they, oh, dude, and like just like totally trigger, like that kick, triggered kick and snare sound where ev- every hit is identically the same. But, you know, you know <laughs> here's the thing. When you're watching a movie and you see a CG character, the human brain is really good at detecting fakeness. Yeah. And I definitely feel that on a lot of the, like, triggered drums that are out there, where it's like every single bass drum hit is identical yep. to what it was before. And it, it bugs the shit out of me because I'm like, dude, no, this is... <laughs> they played this... M- maybe. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here. They played it maybe on an electronic kit, but it was just sampled over. Yeah, a lot of times it's actually a real kit... And they mic it, and they just basically take that line, that track, and they use, like, sound replacer. So you'll say, here is your kick, and here is your snare, or your toms, whatever, and you basically click, you open up the window in the effects, and you go, I want the Devil Driver kick, I want the Depeche Mode snare drum, and the toms from whatever, Megadeth or whatever, and it's like, you just basically, like, enable it on that track, and you can do one of two things. You can layer that over it, or you can just completely sound replace. And just for the ease of convenience in the studio, most people, most like, and I don't want to say like just metalcore drummers, but it's very common in that. <laughs> just a lot say of stuff it, today, it's fine. Everything <laughs> sounds very, it's, it, every hit is perfect because it's triggered and replaced. And it's real quick in the studio to do that because you can just get a crappy sound. You but really then in a don't live have to put show, any it's thought. like, eh, yeah, yeah, you know. But but if you saw Fear Factory, Fear Factory live, like they would mic the kit, but he also Raymond also had triggers. Yeah. So you had yep. a triggered like digital kick over a mic kick, so it just sounded that much huger. And it was like, see, a little bit of effort, a little bit of time, and it sounds great. You can say the word just, practice, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Play to a metronome for like forty hours a week. You're good. <laughs> There's people we've talked to that like I mean, dude January We like sat down three dudes And talked about a band And like here we are in December Talking to like our favorite bands And it's just so weird You know, that like It's just weird how that works You know, like Yeah, that's um, awesome uh, Yeah, like it, it's, it's just crazy how like So much can change in a year Or so many years later You know, like, I mean when I was listening to Clank and Circle of Dust and, you know, even becoming the archetype, even in the 2000s, like, I never thought in a million years I'd be talking to you guys. You know, like, it's just one of those right? weird things. That- <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Seriously. And it's like the the joy of, of the technological age and the advancements we have, where now it's like you can do this kind of thing. And I mean, because look, like back in the day, like the original, like before AOL and stuff, it was like you could write to a, you would see something in print in bands about bands, and then you could write to them if their uh, if their PO box was in a uh, a written article, or if or you know when they were first starting like the web things, if you hear an interview somewhere online. And it would be like, you know, then they'd be talking, you know, real slow, like, go to our website, geocities.com, clank, backslash, hyphen, hyphen, hyphen. You know, it was like... I remember, yeah. Very primitive back in the day, but now it's like, 
you know, it's like it's it's literally at the end of your fingertips. You can communicate with people, you can become friends with people, and at the same point, it's like even for myself, because you know what it's like. The situation like you guys, like you, like you, you're talking to the people. You get a chance now to talk to the people that you had a, a admiration for growing up. And for myself, it was like same thing with Doug Pinnock. You know, I've been now, I've been friends with Doug now, like freaking like 25 years. When we did Urban Warfare, he slept on my couch for freaking six days. It was right. like that's so awesome. Like, <laughs> dude, seriously, it was like one of those for me. It was like I had my total fanboy moment. You know, where it was like. Like, this is something I've wanted for years and it's actually happening. And it was like, what? You know, but, um, and then over the years, it's like the people who, you know, I looked up to and stuff, I got to become friends with. And, and, and then to find people later on who I looked up to, I said, man, I really like these people's music. And they were like, hey, man, I really love the music that you've been doing. I don't know if you can see my cat in the background crawling on the top of my I pantry. I can, actually. I've been watching for a couple of seconds. Yeah, uh, Wait for it. Wait for it. I, I was waiting for him to like jump on my neck or something. Like He's going to totally jump on the table. If it happens, that's going to be the end of the interview right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, do a, we'll do a part two, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, dude, it was like to, to, to get to talk to people who... Um, you know, I admired, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, I really love the music you've been doing as Clank." And I was like, "Oh, wait, wait, what?" You know, and it was like totally like, "Wow!" I'm like, it, you know, makes you feel good inside, especially if it's somebody who's like newer. You know, because we're one of those bands that like we've been around for long. You know, and it's funny because like, you know, because people go, "Oh, you're like old music. You're like like '90s." Oh my god! No bullshit. You know? Listen to Rise. <laughs> and it's funny though, because now it's like, you know, you. You come at a point where you're still making music and you you know you try to be relevant, and then somebody who is really relevant says, "Hey, you know what? Like, um, you've been a big dude. When when somebody that I look up to says, "Hey, man, just you know your music and the stuff that you help create was really big influence on me," it's like this is great to hear. You know, it's totally um, humbling and great. You know, especially if it's somebody who you really admire, and it's like. You know, hits you right in the feels. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I relate to that in a big way. Yeah, like I, I was a nobody guitar player, nobody drummer. I thought I was terrible, and anytime anybody said to me, "You're awesome," I wanted, I, I've actually like been listening to your album a lot, and I want to meet you guys. I'd be like, okay, so we're writing a new song today, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> and then I and then I call him back and I'm like, yeah, no, sorry, man, no inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> and then you used to get material demos and be like, I hate these. <laughs> I did. I was not easy to work with, but uh, that's the oh, thing. Band diva, band diva. That's hey. the hard thing about lead being singer, about lead being a, singer. Yeah, that's the hard thing about being a musical hipster, right? You're like. <laughs> Too cool oh, you, for everything. Do you suffer from LSD, lead singer's disease? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I really, really do. Um, you know, and I think it was really cool on our album, though, that Joe, Joe played drums on Travis's kit. Clank, I don't nice. know if you ever heard Travis's old band, Crutch. But they I've were... I've heard of them, but never heard oh of them. Oh, my God. They are like a... They were like a technical death metal band. That was very similar to latter day death material. Really? They were so much better than he will ever admit. They were now really good. I'm, I'm intrigued right now. I'm you intrigued. Need to, I need, you need to check I, it I out. I need to tap into this. You do. If you have like a Spotify or a Apple Music account or something, 
check yeah, it out. Spotify. It yeah. is very much worth it. There's only one record, right? Well, okay, so as Crutch, they released an album called Hope Prevails. And okay, then, I'm, um, I'm writing that down. And then they changed their name to Alathian after that, which I'm not going to spell that because I've had a few Travis. too many beers for that. But. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, listen to the Hope Prevails album by Crutch. And give Travis shit about it, like for sure. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, cause I I knew he played drums, and I knew he, I remember him saying like Alethian or something like that. But Dude, yeah, but he totally downplays it. So now he I is need so to much deeper. better than he gives himself credit for. All right, now this is something I'm gonna pick at him like he's a scab. Absolutely, That's what I'm do. <laughs> absolutely. You know the difference between blast that. beats that are good and blast beats that are not so good. But that are annoying. Travis is. <laughs> In the above good, he is—he's fantastic drummer. His, and his blast beats were consistent. I don't care what he says; he's awesome. Ah, that's good to know. <laughs> like he wants to be Mr. Cool Guy or whatever, but like honestly, if you listen to his music, it's really worth your time. I'm gonna check into that definitely. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. I really do. Uh, I really appreciate the support uh, over the years with all the projects and. Uh, because I definitely want a want to stay in touch with you guys. You guys are really awesome, and I do really appreciate you taking the time. For sure, uh, yeah. You know, to dig in and stuff. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it, it's all about the listeners and the people that are willing to, like I said, like dissect, pick apart and stuff, and and do the reviews and stuff. And I really appreciate the people like you guys that take the time to actually get music like mine across to the masses because in this day and age a lot of stuff you do is it's just a labor of love because there's no money there's so many haters and critiques online and if you do even if you just do promoting an album you like i promote the new believer album some people are always gonna i don't like the fact that it's not thrash it doesn't sound like extraction of mortality most people I'm are sorry. stupid i like music and you know what i like all music. I like everything from ABBA to Zappa. I, I like when a band changes and does it. You know, Slayer's the only band that you can put in an album and it'll always sound like Slayer. But they're the only <laughs> band that gets a pass. She'll listen to our Slayer yeah, Except for Diabolos and Musica. But yeah. we won't get into that again. Yeah. yeah. But about Stain of Mine is a great song, though, from that album. Absolutely. That was, yeah, that was I like agree. my favorite song they did on there. For sure. But, at, you know, at the same point, it's like... No matter what you do, there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be cr critics, and it's it's kind of frustrating. But for myself, and, and on behalf of myself and Pat and Eric, too, seriously, I, I appreciate you both very much um, taking the time out. And thank you for what you do, because without you and outlets like you, I mean, the scene ends up fizzling and dying. And especially now that we've gone from mostly the medium of print – I mean, look, it started back in the day with Xerox flyers or just Xerox papers – stapled together and then you had like full color magazines and books and like hit parader and stuff and now all that medium's going kind of like the way of the dinosaur and everything is youtube videos um podcasts uh uh vlog vlogging you know whatever word they wrap it around these days it's going to this medium and i appreciate the people like you guys that take the time out to Talk to people like myself. You know what I'm saying, and and get the word out about us. It's really awesome. Thank Absolutely, you. Absolutely, man. It's our pleasure. Like we, you know, like I said, like as dumb and fanboyish as this may sound, I drove around tonight being like, dude, I'm just thrilled that we're talking to Clank tonight. You know, like that's <laughs> it's, it's so awesome. You know, 
I appreciate I appreciate the uh, the love and support. Totally, thank you so much. Yeah, and something that I tell everybody that's on our show at some point, our door we have a very open door policy. So like, if you ever like, dude, I want to talk to those guys again, dude, just set us up. We'll do it. Dude, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, we have the remix album and stuff coming out. Keep an eye on my posts and stuff as yeah. soon as that comes out. I'd definitely like to do that. Pat and I have a, a synth pop project called Synth Pop Lullaby. I like which it. is coming yeah. out the two the two guys that i work with here like the one guy um he was in a band called unveiled um i'm working on a whole new different musical project with him so we're hoping like this year there's going to be an influx of stuff and i i've got the gift of gab i like to talk so you know and anytime you just want to shoot the breeze or whatever random shoot the crap or whatever i'm always down yeah, I'll for sure do that. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Talk to you All later, right, take man. Take care, man. All right, thanks. Later, bye-bye. All right, bye. Ninety minutes later. <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> I'm going to be the first to say it. Fucking Clank. Clank, dude. Love that guy. Big thank you to that guy. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that was that was a really fun interview to do, man. And it's the most fun I've had in a long time for sure. So obviously huge shout outs to Clank for this super episode that we did. But one thing that we like to do at the end of every episode is we like to talk about our album of the week. What have we been listening to the most? So I'm going to start with Jeff. I think I already said mine. Rise. Yeah, you did. By Clank. That's my album of the week. All right. Uh, for mine, it's uh, New World Shadows by Omnium Gatherum. Ooh. Dan, what about you? I have been listening to a lot of Clank, but also a lot of Circle of Dust because we're doing them next week. So mine is Circle of Dust uh, Brainchild. It is Industrial December on DiscussMetal.com, so everybody needs to stay on track and enjoy yourself some industrial heavy metal. And on that note, this has been episode 41 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Big thank you goes out from all of us to Clank Dealosa. Dude, it was super fun. This is not the last you're going to hear from us. 